program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. I'm going to a choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniac! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We had a real chance with this. Imagine, if you will, a world where 9 plus 10 does not in fact equal 19. A world where your fundamental understandings of reality are flipped on their head. Why and how, I cannot answer, my friend, but where? Well, nowhere else but it's one on its own. Hiya, Sam. Your mother tells me you've been falling behind in your mathematics class. Is that true? Well, then you don't mind if I quiz you, don't you? What's seven times three? Twenty-one. boy. What's fifty-six minus thirty-five? Twenty-one. Well, golly, so you know your stuff. Here's an easy one. Uh, what's not plus ten? Twenty-one. Oh, sorry, champ, but that's just uh, not right. Yeah. What do you mean, son? No, I'm telling you, it's wrong. It's not twenty-one. It's nineteen. Twenty-one. Gosh darn it, son! Listen to your old man. What's wrong? Nothing, sweetie. We're just right about the mathematics. It seems he's kind of troubled. I ask him what's not plus ten. You know what he tells me? What? Twenty-one. And he's so convinced he's right, he's willing to argue with his old man. I oh. mean, what is this world coming to? But he's right. Huh? He's right. Nine plus ten does equal twenty-one. Oh, uh, no, it doesn't. Honey, are you feeling okay? I'm not feeling okay. What do you mean? Nine plus ten doesn't equal twenty-one. It equals nineteen. Sweetie, every math equation equals twenty-one. Well, uh, now, hold on. That can't be true. Let me call somebody. Office of my lady speaking. Hi there, Frank. I know listen here. Can you just settle this real, real quick? What's not plus ten? Oh, he's twenty-one, of course. No. No, this can't be. This can't be true. I'm sorry, honey. But nine plus ten does equal twenty-one. I'm sorry, Annie. Oh! There you have it. Changing one simple equation, the whole world around you crumbles and falls. Dad just trying to teach his son, but the only lesson learned today was, Dad, you stupid. Help, I'm slipping into episode 89 of Behind the Schemes for March 21st, 2022, and I am Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the gosh darn heck all the way over here on this breath coast where uh, something's coming. You can feel it. My name's Lavish. How you doing tonight? Dude, that was cracking up at that intro. (laughs) I had to mute myself. I was dying, dude. That was so funny. Nice. Nothing, you know, I have to say a good uh, Jimmy Stewart impression or whatever gets me going, man. Get your uh, Jimmy Stewart's all in the bunch. Gets my Jimmy's all stewarded. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, That was great. How you feeling, man? Feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. You know, all of the uh, 
All of the snow in my path that I must take in order to go smoke a cigarette is gone. It is now a wet, fleshy, earthy, kind of like gray-green grass. So you skip the whole uh, brown snow period, or the the gray snow period, the ice period. You just go straight to to slush. No, it's it's been it's been pretty icy, pretty snowy, pretty gray, pretty mushy yeah. for yeah. a for a while now. But well, it went quick. It warms up. It went quick. I tell it's you what, early for that, right? Uh you know, usually I'm not here this time of year to really know. Oh. Um, I see. But it does feel somewhat appropriate to last year, so I'm not complaining. I'm I'm tripping out today. I swear to God, it was like 80 degrees today, and it was it was very unexpected. Mm, I did uh, it. You know, it warmed up uh, just in time. Uh, I had the opportunity to go visit some folks in downtown Minneapolis this past week. See some old friends. Yeah, yeah it was uh, nice. Nice. It was cool. It was cool. Uh, COVID you got was, social. Yeah, COVID was barely on anyone's lips. Um, the bars were nice and packed and took forever to get a drink <laughs> in at the bar. <laughs> no, no. So now we're back to that again. Yeah, that was Having a good time. Wait at the bar. Well, that's good. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. Uh, do you think we're going to have a good time with this uh, tarot card for tonight? <laughs> I like the tarot card for tonight. Yeah, it's uh, from the Line Strider deck, as always. We've drawn the Ten of Wands reversed. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to hit you with just some uh, basic keywords uh, that are derived from the upright meaning. Uh, Let's see here. The end, betrayal, hurt, economic hardship, pain, and disappointment. Is that reversed? No, no, that's the upright keywords. Just the general Just to clarify, we got it. Reverse, but this is the upright meaning. I know. I, is, I said. I said it was the. Uh, yeah, the up, yeah. Upright I forgot keywords. Dope. So the uh, the typical image of this card is usually a figure lying on his stomach. Uh, I believe the uh, Rider weight deck uh, stabbed in the back by ten swords. This is a deadly image, not often seen in the deck. However, the card does not imply betrayal or stabbing in the back, but only represents extreme suffering, afflictions, <laughs> ten swords in the back, and soon-to-go benefits. Yeah, it's um, it's a card that represents the end of a war, a large battle, and you're basically uh, a corpse. On this is according to the writer. Uh, you're, you're basically just a corpse on the battlefield, and you have ten swords sticking out of you. With this card that you drew, which is very lovely, is uh, that a, a is that an elk? It's an elk, or it's a, maybe a stag, probably caribou. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's an elk or a stag, and it's got big old honking antlers, and it has swords in it, and it has arrows in it. It represents a great, mighty beast that has fought a great battle. But um, the overwhelming adversity has is, is finally taken it down. Death by a thousand cuts, or ten cuts. But either way, it was a great warrior, and it's not because it wasn't a great warrior that is dead. It's because it was just beaten to death, you know. <laughs> and that is the, that's the, the it, basic premise of the Ten of Swords. It, it couldn't overcome the odds. Or it's just natural life. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. no matter what. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Oh! Oh my! We oh my. uh oh my! We had a boostergram just come in for tonight. 
Uh, we'll, uh, that's what that sound was in case anybody was uh, interested, but I, we should stay on track with the, uh, with the tarot discussion and we'll hit those before we go into our voicemails. But if you do want to send us uh, something through the lightning node, that's the sound that you're going to get. So, mm. just so you know, indubitably. Oh, oh, um, yeah. Ten of swords. I, you know, I, I really do, uh, love the art of this card in particular, you know, I like it too. There's a lot of power in like the haunches of this beast and you can, you can see it's not just, uh, it's not just arrows. That are embedded in it. You got uh, daggers and swords and sabers. Yeah, sabers exactly. You got a dirks sabers maybe. In there. Kind of yeah, looks like you, a dirk. Yeah. The these are this is life. Like I was saying, it's not because you were defeated by a great warrior. It's just over time. You know, one thing after another, things add up, <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the implication of the ten of swords. I like this the 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 reverse, and I never get the ten of swords personally. Mm. Uh, I I rarely get it, so to see it is kind of interesting. But to see it reversed, it and according to my sources, it, it means survival, improvement, healing, lessons learned, but it can also mean despair and relapse. Well, yeah, the relapse—that's a big one. Um, yeah, I got uh, I got. Two little quick final words from the, uh, we use tarox.net on my end, uh, for all of the tarot card information, but I like these two, uh, these two here. The Ten of Swords Line Strider Tarot is a card about terrible misfortune, but surprisingly, it often represents a dramatic rather than, uh, it represents drama rather than real trouble. The mm-hmm. character on this card is stabbed in the back by many swords. In fact, can anyone stand it? Are ten swords too much? Perhaps the suffering of this animal, while sympathetic, is only being uh, magnified. And one of the meanings of the ten of swords is to reach the bottom. When disaster follows, we will first uh, fall down, and then we will we will rise and laugh. In the movies, the hero says, "What else could be worse?" And uh, we know that's a sign he's in trouble. When we see this card in a spread, know that disaster has finally come, and what you can expect now is that the situation will turn for the better. Yeah, yeah. Powerful feelings. Indubitably. And, um, yeah, with the reversal, the recognition that you've hit rock bottom and there's no more for you to give other than, you know, what you got left, if that's anything at all. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting card. If you would like to see this card that we've been discussing... You can head over to zososcorner.substack.com, Z-O-S-O-S corner dot substack. That card, along with the show art for the week, is posted at the very top. Uh, but that doesn't stop there. We've got all of the uh, articles and videos that we reference are featured in the show notes. we got bonus pictures, links. We have a list of our Freaks of Hazards, which are folks that help produce this very production. And it's gorgeous. They're the best looking notes, and I'm not tooting my own horn here because we, you know, we have to contend with the best podcast in the universe. But these are probably the best looking show notes that you that you can find on the internet for a podcast. I mean, it's part of the show. It's part of. There's a visual element to the show because audio isn't enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not enough to come out here and, and, and do the show. We have we have other stuff that we do too. Well, you do know that 
if you head over to nudepodcastapps.com, you can find yourself a newfangled podcasting 2.0 application that you can download to your phone or your computer browser. And if mm-hmm. you follow along with an app that shows chapters, all of the show art that shows up in our show notes will display as chapter art. It's very exciting. It's very visceral. It's very trashy. It visceral. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Visceral and trashy are good words to use. I think uh, and a lot of people could do it just for the sheer fact that they don't want to use the Apple or the Google or whatever app. All of the main apps that come with the phone that you get or whatever. If you want to get off that crap. And, and you, you do. Something, you know, and trust me, you do. <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> so just for that alone, you should go and to nudepodcastapps.com and, and try and find it. Podcasting 2.0 compliant application. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe you can comply as well. And then you can get involved with the um, with the lightning stuff and the Bitcoin payments and all that. And that's fun, too. But the most important thing is, yeah, you get the chapters, and the chapters are beautiful. As you listen to the show, you can see as we go from topic to topic, uh, the graphic will change. Every to- every chapter has its own graphic, its own title. Hey, everything's locked in. If you're listening to the show and you and you want to go back and find something that you remember, you don't have to go sifting through the whole show to find it. You can go to the chapters, and you can go and see what topic we were talking about. Go right there. Uh, it's easy. It's never been easier. It's cool. It's fun. It's it's what's happening. And and if you aren't doing it, man, you're behind, bro. Yeah, that's not the sort of behind you want to be. No, nah, you want to be behind the schemes, not behind the the times, bro. Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> For a second there, I thought we were in Ukraine. There were shots being fired. Oh my! <laughs> Hypersonic. Oh, missiles. Fuck. Excuse me. That's Take my good part. Uh, I want to hit these boostergrams that we had uh, before the top of the show here today. Uh, let's see. Going back. Coming in. I don't think I recognize this name before. Uh, Displaced Citizen. I, well, I know the name, but I don't think I've seen them mm-hmm. in and around behind the schemes before. No, I've seen Display Citizen, I think, in the Troll Room mm-hmm. uh, for for the live show, for the live NA, but uh, that's awesome. Uh, I don't, I'm looking in the notes, though. I'm not seeing uh, the producer line. Is he in there? Uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't been adding, um. Oh, the boot, this is a boostagram. My this bad. is telegram, uh, helipad. Helipad. Yes. Yeah, My I bad. just wanted My to bad. hit the ones from, uh. From before the show. All right. Well, Display uh, Citizen, thank you. Yep. That's awesome. Using the Breeze app, uh, 1,000 sats, and that was from six days ago. And then Net Ned boosted 33 sats using Fountain saying, Turdy Tree. Turdy Tree. Uh, 508 from CurioCaster, and there's no name, but I have my suspicions who you are, 508. Uh, <laughs> mm, and then... Oh, uh, I don't. Servo but I will. <laughs> servo back to back with eleven eleven for a total of twenty two twenty two, which servo. I think technically, wouldn't that be a row of ducks? It would be. Oh. Noise. Got him. Uh, and then using CurioCaster, servo sent another thousand sets. Uh, I sent myself <laughs> ten sets. 
to test the boost sound for tonight, and Ooh. I made sure to clarify, because these boosts are going to be showing up in, in Fountain now, don't mind me, I'm just testing pew sounds. Uh, 508, <laughs> 508 from Mystery Curio Caster Booster, and then... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been active. Uh, Servo, 1123 sats, using Boost CLI. He says, teased. Uh, teased. Teasting. And then uh, 100 sats uh, via CurioCaster from Servo. And Servo. the last one where you heard the, oh, was uh, Cotton Gin using Boost CLI for 333 sats saying, Boost CLI test. Oh, well, thanks for testing us, Cotton Gin. Yes, thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. We really, really do. We value, value production. Yeah, absolutely. We, we we stop and we we have to acknowledge and thank the people that make this public broadcast, this magical production happen. Uh, yeah. It's it's what allows us to go out here on the internet, stake our little you know hole in the wall. And say all the crazy shit that we want to say without having to pause for sponsorships for advertisers or for commercials. Mm-hmm. Which or we, we don't have to censor ourselves for those people either. Yes. So if you want to get in on that action, you can head over to BehindTheSchemes.com, S-C-H-3-M-3-S, or BadRadio.Live, and uh, reach out and help support this production. Boost me, bitch. Obey all Daleks. Come on. Obey instantly. Obey without question. Obey. 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 Do a commercial, you're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And, uh, end of story. Gotta have those sexy numbers in there. I can't remember what the phone number is. I completely Can blanked. I remind you? Yes. I'll, I'll remind you. The Please. phone number is 612-263-7999. That's the number. You want to call in, you want to say something to us, you want to scream something in, you got something bugging you. We'll play it. We don't pre-screen these. So. For some reason. Yeah. And so that means you can just call in and say whatever you want, and we're going to play it on the air. And, then, you know, like Booberry said, this is our little stake. This is our little hole, you know, but we broadcast all over the globe, my friend. Yes. On a beautiful golden RSS feed, and it can't be stopped. Hundreds of billions of people. You're, you're, in, you're in a big thing at the moment. That's right. And not just... <laughs> Not just now, but for all time. For as long as the internet will be around. It'll be forever. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this next caller <laughs> is forever. Hey, um, I was listening to a, a past episode or two. Just had it on repeat, you know, going forward. And I felt kind of cute earlier. So I thought I might oh, yeah. post it. 
if you want. Um, I'll probably delete it later, though. (laughs) (laughs) TBH, Special Agent Dr. Sir Mike Crotch. It doesn't matter if you deleted it because we screenshotted it. Yep. <laughs> it's in the archives. It's in the Behind the Schemes archives where it belongs. Ah, you forgot the internet is forever. <laughs> the fatal mistake. <laughs> Your final mistake. Uh, and so are the phone lines. 612-263-7999. Doesn't cost anything. You pay for You pay for your phone. Right? Yeah. So supposedly, I mean, <laughs> allegedly that, that someone does, somebody pays for your phone. And so you owe it to yourself or the person that pays for your phone to call 612-263-7999. And you don't have to scream, but Mm-mm. you can if you want though. It's fun. I'm curious if the next caller screams or not. Whoa, I'm a real American Warner Von Braun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real paperclip Nazis. I come from Fordway Line. <laughs> I come from Fordway Territory. <laughs> this is my Russian accent doing Werner von Braun. I should do the joke. I come to your land. I am Werner von Braun. I have the rocket knowledge. I made the bomb. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's great. Well, thank you. I, I like Thank that. You. Why don't you take that little coin and tuck it away in your uh, in your pocket? We're going to need it later in the episode. Um, my coin pouch? Yes, in your coin pouch. I'm having so much fun with these. Uh, I'm I'm feeling a little gluttonous with the voicemails right now. Oh, yeah? Can, can we do one more? Of course. Hey, thanks a bunch for calling. <laughs> no, thank you, caller. Thanks for returning my call, caller. <laughs> Hi. I'm returning your call to say thank you for returning my call. I was just returning your call to thank you for thanking me for returning your call that I gave you. So thank you. Mm. Thank you. Come again. Thank you. So yes, uh, as we proceed throughout our episode tonight, you want to get in, you want to have some fun with that number. It's the easiest way to help produce the show. 612-2637-999. Uh, do you have any ways you want to roll your dice tonight? Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's see here. I'm going to take the diamond, and I'm going to take the pyramid. Whoa! Okay, so the diamond, of course, being the eight-sided, the pyramid being the four-sided die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what we're going to do is we'll roll, and whoever is closest to 33... Oh, in either configuration, mm-hmm. gets to go uh, whenever they want, first or last. They get to choose. I okay. find I find these uh, conditions acceptable. Do you accept the conditions? Goddamn straight, I do. You shouldn't get a vocoder module for your rack servo. 
You know what the uh, hilarious part is? I even sat down before the show and I trimmed up that one and I still grabbed the long one. <laughs> oh, well, that's okay. We, we're grooving anyway. All right. What'd you get? On the eight-sided die, the diamond, I got a seven. Seven of diamonds. And on my little mm. pyramid, bro, I got a three. A three. Mm-hmm. So 37 would be the number you'd go with. Correct. Well, that beats my Pyramid 4 and my Diamond 5. I would have gone 45. That's as close as I can get to 33. Oh, so shit. You have won, sir. Will you go first, sir, or last, sir? I will go first for tonight. Excellent. Excellent choice, sir. Yes, indubitably. Uh... Do you like diamonds? Are you a big diamond guy? Am I a diamond guy? Yeah. I know a little bit too much about the De Beers company to be a diamond guy. What if I was able to provide you with a more ethical source of diamonds so you didn't have to get them dirty blood diamonds anymore? Uh, You mean like uh, ones that are like grown in babies or something? <laughs> Damn it. It's pretty funny, but no. <laughs> oh, damn it. Sorry. I thought I had you. All right. Uh, I mean, if they made them really affordable, because I'll tell you what, just because I don't like diamonds, there's a lot of people that do. So if I got my hands on some real good cheap diamonds, I'd be down for that. I don't think these diamonds are necessarily going to be affordable because according to science, Mercury's early years may have led to it having a diamond encrusted surface. Mercury? Mercury. The planet Mercury, yes. Is encrusted with diamonds. Asteroids crashing into the planet may have compressed the graphite present hard enough into diamonds. Quote, the pressure wave from asteroids or comets striking the surface at uh, tens of kilometers per second could transform that graphite into diamonds, says Kevin Cannon, a geologist at the Colorado uh, School of Mines who presented his latest findings at the Lunar and Planetary Science Conference in Houston last Thursday. Uh, you could have a significant amount of diamonds near the surface. Hmm. Pretty interesting, right? I like it. Now, how do we get in there? <laughs> how do I get in there? <laughs> Where do I sign? How do I send some people up there to get me diamonds? Mm, I would say you're probably going to need a giant, like, world-ending conflict to really get the juices flowing for that sort of funding. But I digress. conflict? Where am I going to find that? (laughs) So Mercury orbits the sun every 88 days, uh, and it rotates on its axis every 59. Uh, The day temperatures can reach upwards of 800 degrees and sink to a shocking negative uh, 290 degrees Fahrenheit during the night because of the lack of atmosphere. So this planet, it's got an ample amount of carbon in the form of graphite present in its its mantle. Uh, Four billion years ago, it received an extreme barrage of asteroids known as the Late Heavy Bombardment Period. And uh, uh, Mercury ended up taking twice as many uh, impacts as our moon. Mm. And our moon's got some, it's got some decent, it's got some curves. 
Uh, our moon has taken a lot of shit that we should have taken, or at least knocked it off path. <laughs> this is where everything in our solar system basically <laughs> does that. <laughs> and it's my duty to finish the goddamn job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How about the the new heavy bombardment period? Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a little late romanticism or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bombardment renaissance. It's funny. Uh, during the forming of the planet, when there was oceans of magma present, graphite floated to the surface. That layer could have been upwards of 300 feet thick. 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 Uh, 30 to 60% of the carbon present, according to Cannon, could have been potentially turned into what he calls, quotes, shock diamonds. Hmm. Now, you might be shocked when I tell diamonds? you, yes, when I tell you what a shock diamond is. <laughs> These diamonds could be potentially, uh, uh, they could, they could weigh potentially 16 quadrillion tons. <clears throat> However, they would most likely be quote, minuscule scattered and buried. Womp womp. Typical. Always a catch. It would be um, like diamond sand almost buried underneath the crust. Well, nobody wants diamond sand. They want these big honking sons of guns that are like perfect and flawless. That's that's the whole value of the diamond. They have a big ass flawless diamond. The uh, other research supports this idea. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I was kind of frustrated about this article because so much was saying science says and. That research shows and science this, and then every sentence was almost ended with, uh, well, they believe. Science believes. These astrophysicists believe. <laughs> I believe. believe. It's all kind of loosey-goosey, you know, because it's just data. It's an inordinate amount of data that they got to sift through, and it's like, gosh, we hope these are right. A quadrillion... Is ten to the fifteenth power in the United States. And, you know, I I understand that they gotta they gotta take the measurements, and you know, without being there, it's a whole different ball game. But I'm still a little sour on the whole concept of uh, you gotta you gotta believe uh, you gotta believe our science. You gotta believe that. Yeah, science is real, right? right? Science is uh, racist. <laughs> against um, smart people. Are you the and, science uh, one? <laughs> are you the? Are you? Are you? Uh, I uh, no. I reject. I reject science often. Unless I don't reject the scientific theory. Mm. I like the scientific theory. That's cool. And and data that comes from that, and theories that come from that, and theorems. But you know. It seems like science these days has replaced something that is missing. I don't know if it's church or what, but a higher power, something. It's a, it's, a, it's just this awkward replacement that people they don't they don't question because the whole point of science is that you question things, and and that's what I'm confused because for the past two fucking years you're being told that uh if you if you question science then you are a nazi basically yeah 
you know, if you look at history, it's kind of always been that way. I mean, the guy that figured out that doctors should wash their hands was put away in a mental asylum. Are you crazy? He, he was crazy. Discredited. Ruined his life. Put him in a mental institution, which apparently was a very popular thing to do to people that he didn't like back in the day. Mm-hmm. Put him away in the, in the mental institution. But the guy that figured out how to wash his hands. Hey, we should wash our hands before we dig into someone's body and do a surgery. And you know what science said at that time? Science said, a gentleman's hands are always clean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duh. That's how, science. How dare you question that? <laughs> don't question the science. And don't question the gentleman. Take you away. Take you away to the loony bin. <laughs> Lock him away, boys. Uh, so there's, like I was saying, uh, there's other research that supports this. They uh, believe the graphite uh, is there due to photographs that were taken by the messenger spacecraft. A fa- false color map show low reflectance material, uh, which is believed to be the graphite. Um, mm. And typically most carbon ends up in the planets or near the planet's core because it uh, sinks along with the other metals, uh, which is the case on earth and diamonds form way underground uh, beneath the, uh, the mantle, I get or in the mantle. Actually, I don't remember. Um, but uh, that's why they end up underground and uh, with temperature and, um, pressure and whatnot but uh space miners probably won't want to head to mercury anytime soon despite the copious carbon that allowed the crystal uh, creation that's because the oh here's our second womp womp it's probably because the diamonds are impure Mm, not pure oh you got impure yeah well it Uh, makes sense they only came out of the sky at an exorbitant speed and crash into another thing. I figured they wouldn't be in the best condition. Uh, yeah, yeah they end up with a, it's a mis- messy mixture of uh, graphite, diamond, and maybe some other uh, different phases of the of the of the minerals there. Um, mm. And they actually say so you won't have a nice, big, beautiful crystals that you could polish and put on a ring. <laughs> Sad. Uh, the well, that's okay. They found a way to just make them in the lab now. Yeah, just grow them. You can turn a person into a diamond. Can you? Yeah, the zirconian uh, uh, cubit stones. Yeah. You... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because right. they cremate you and they take all that ash and which is carbon and they compress it into a little rock. And there you go. A little urn diamond. Yeah, there's a lot of. Strange and wacky ways to have your remains preserved. That could be a fun episode sometime. Oh, yeah. Just list off all the ways you can be paraded around once you've shuffled off this mortal coil. I, uh, let me tell you about my puppet method. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Booberry. (laughs) Have I ever told you that joke (laughs) at my, uh, at my funeral? I'm going to do an open casket. I'm going to be sitting there laying, and as people come up to pay their respects and whatnot, you just hear a little music box in the background that goes da dun 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 dun da dun da dun da So, and then have a have a thing inside going da. Just kidding. Like a like a vocal track say that for you. Just kidding. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, oh yeah. No, actually, Joseph say... Campbell in the chat. Nice, jo- nice Joseph Campbell reference there, Blue Steed. No, science dogma versus religious dogma. Nice. Science dogma versus religious dogma. Joseph Campbell explained that you could not argue the existence or the non-existence of my God. Or the Joseph Campbell, the 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 God that strings us all together, the universal story that every human being shares. Mm. You know. The one universal truth. The force. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so there's also another theory. This is my last point on this uh, particular story. There's another theory that Mercury used to be much bigger based off the size of its core. Uh, quote, some scientists believe <laughs> that's the, that the surface some was, scientists believe that's reassuring. Yeah. A vast majority of scientists believe <laughs> uh, that the surface was whittled away by impacts over the uh, millennia. And as it stands now, Mercury is 18, uh, is one eighteenth the mass of earth, but uh, quote, simulations predicted it could have been uh, upwards of 0.3 to point. Uh, of uh, Earth's mass. How long what... ago do they estimate? Like billions of years ago? Millions yeah, billions. Uh, <clears throat> four billion years ago is when it received the extreme barrage of asteroids known as the late heavy bombardment period. Mm, I'm sure that simulation's reliable too. Yep. Uh, we'll be finding more out about the planet. When Europe and Japanese join forces to send up uh, uh, orbiters, well, actually they did that in 2018, but they will be arriving in 2025 with uh, they're outfitted with some high resolution cameras. Get, mm. uh, I do like those when they do that. Like they had the the high def uh, Pluto photos not too long ago. I got a kick out of those. Hmm. Like you get a nice Jupiter moon in every now and again. Yeah. Assuming it's all real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. I, I do. I do like the idea of the heavenly waters of the firmament. It's very romantic. It's very. uh And very plausible. It's very cozy. It's a cozy. The firmament is cozy. Yeah, I if see. You don't you know. There. You should. You protect you me. Look into it. I should. I have. A, I have a bit of firmament art. I should post uh, somewhere since we brought it up. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, uh, you got dirty. anything else on uh, Mercury? We'll move on. Uh, no, just that's cool. It's nice to talk about what's going on up there. Mm, indubitably. I got a. I get a weird one for you. I got a real oh. weird one for you. Daffodils. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like daffodils, man. They're cool. They're a cool little flower. Oh, I don't hate them. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, daffodil. God damn it. Fucking daffodils. Fuck. No, oh. they're great. Get the fuck. Kill it with fire. Kill it. Uh, we should kill it with fire. I got I got some science clips that are going to sh- explain just how dangerous motherfucking daffodils are. Are you ready for this? Oh my god. I'm ready. Oh, bro. I, think. I hope. Bro. I hope. 
Good news, daffodils are the worst. They're cold-blooded killers. Ah, daffodils. Those cheery, usually yellow symbols of spring. They're also cold-blooded killers. They're not only toxic to us and our pets, they're toxic to other plants. But turns out there are some big reasons to be thankful for that. All plants in the genus Narcissus, otherwise known as daffodils, are poisonous from bulb to bloom. We've actually talked about their toxicity before because one chemical... Did she just say that daffodils are narcissists? It's, yes. Well, technically, yes. It's in their Latinized name that they are narcissists? Of course. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Please continue. Needed to draw attention to that. About their toxicity before. Because one chemical they have, called lycorine, poses a threat to people and pets. People and pets. You gotta watch your, watch your neck, watch your pets. Watch, watch your, hey, dogs are people too. Dogs are people. And uh, someone should let Chunk know that so he can get himself a little bit of action. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let Chunk eat it. And if you go to the park with your wife, don't let your wife eat the daffodils either. Get get away from those. Remind me to bring that uh, that up during the uh, Freaks of Hazard segment. I want to talk about that uh, Sunday episode. Um, About what? Eating daffodils? No, the uh, Sunday episode of uh, Abs in a Six Pack. Oh, yes, of course. But... uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll get to that. We'll, in we'll second, bring that up. We'll bring that up. Second, second half of show. Um, this next clip it's a little it's a little thicker. Uh, but it talks about the ways that daffodils can actually kill other flowers when you uh, put them together in a vase, and you know they make it sound uh just like it's such a pain in the ass. But when you really think about what the solution is, you just you really. You really start to wonder about science sometimes. But it turns out these flowers also kill their petaled peers. If you put fresh-cut daffodils in the same vase as, say, tulips or roses, you'll notice the other flowers quickly become wilted and their leaves yellow. And I do mean quickly. A daffodil can reduce a rose's vase life from 11 days down to 3, or a tulip's vase life from 7 days to 4. Florists call this the vase effect, and it's thanks to the daffodil's stems. They're full of a toxic sap called mucilage. So when the flowers are cut, sap flows from the stem. This wouldn't be so bad, except that when they're put in the same vase, other flowers use their stems as straws to suck up water and whatever's in it, like poison. Different parts of the mucilage can kill different flowers, too. Roses, for example, are done in by its sugar, though indirectly. See, the sugar is a feast for bacteria in the water, and since rose stems don't have much of a microbiome to protect them, those bacteria can get inside and plug them up, keeping the flower from getting enough water. Meanwhile, species like tulips have to contend with narcyclicine. That's an alkaloid, so it's in the same class of molecules as caffeine and nicotine. And while it's not exclusive to daffodils, it's still bad news. Research has shown that it can kill plants in a bunch of ways. It inhibits cell division and protein synthesis, both of which are kind of deal breakers for staying alive. And it can interfere with the plant growth hormone auxin. So narcyclicine can jam almost all of the signals that poor tulip needs to stay beautiful. Luckily, florists get around the daffodils penchant for destruction by putting them in a separate vase for at least a few hours to draw out the sap. Then, when the water is replaced, most of the toxic stuff is washed away. More will leak if you cut or otherwise wound the stems again, though. Yeah, so you just gotta take the daffodils and put them in their own vase. (laughs) (laughs) Isolate them. Keep them away from everything. Quarantine! (laughs) Yeah, the daffodil was socially distancing before anyone. Yeah, 
I guess it'll fuck up. You know, they you heard what they said about the roses uh, shorten the lifespan from eleven to three days. That's uh, that is not that is no joke. It just it literally just seeps poison into the ground and out of everything, and that's great. That's great. But it said that it classified it along with nicotine. So does that mean if you have it in small doses, do you get high off of it? I, I that's what nicotine and caffeine and caffeine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I would consider to be under the influence, uh, altered personal or altered states of uh, consciousness. Mm-hmm. 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doesn't uh, doesn't don't cigarettes have arsenic in them as well? They better. <laughs> <laughs> and lace and drywall. Yeah. Oh wait, I'm thinking <laughs> of something else. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Nice tasty asbestos. Mm, nom nom nom. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Uh, so the I learned something. Well, I, I shouldn't say learn, but I was reminded that um, a lot of flowers, uh, you know, they they have the I guess the legacy strains, you know, so they try and just grow without modifying the um, I guess the 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 parent uh, genus, whatever you would call it, the one that's not been hybridized, the the older strain that's that's existed for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called a King Alfred, which I'd say is probably the like stereotype looking daffodil. When you think of daffodil in your head, th- this is what comes to mind: the King Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got uh, two short clips about the King Alfred that I would like to share with you just briefly. This one is called the Gold Standard. If you love daffodils, you probably know about King Alfreds. It's the most famous daffodil in America. In spring, you see them everywhere, except you don't. What you're seeing along the roadways, uh, all the yellow daffodils, is probably not King Alfred. It hasn't been produced in quantity since the 1930s. King Alfred was a big hit when it was introduced in the 1890s. King Alfred was one of England's first Anglo-Saxon kings, King Alfred the Great. Alfred the daffodil was also great. It was the gold standard. A big, tall yellow daff with a long yellow trumpet. Uh, probably the varieties you see now are varieties like Dutch Master, Reinfeld's Early Sensation, uh, Marika, or Golden Harvest. Those are varieties that are actually better than King Alfred. They've been hybridized, but in the past people would say, oh, that they would label the varieties King Alfred type, but they would probably put in the varieties I just mentioned as King Alfred. I suppose part of the problem in the United States was old-time Dutch bulb salesmen like my father who figured the customer is always right. Americans kept asking for King Alfred, so in America and nowhere else, most yellow trumpets were sold under the name Americans wanted to hear. Oh, so not only is the daffodil poisonous and it'll kill other flowers and it'll kill your pets, but they lied about the type of strains that are out there. They're like, oh, yeah, this is close enough to the King Alfred. It's basically better anyways, while not mm. being a true King Alfred. Hmm? Hmm. Tale as old as time. They do that now with, well, they did do that with weed until recently. Oh, interesting. Uh, What do you mean? Before dispensaries were required to label, individually label, like every single little product and skew that they have, with the exact strain and all of the information, the THC, CBD content, etc. Before that, they, before they enacted that sort of, I don't know, whatever legislation, I guess, whatever they did, 
you basically dispensaries would just get in bulk like three or four strains and then they would sell it as 12 <laughs> and they'd chop it up or whatever and put it in different containers, you know, different labels and stuff. But they basically take four strains and they divvy it out and say that they actually had 12 or 15 and, and would act like they had this massive selection. And um, you can't do that anymore. Mm. At least in California. That is a snaky, sick scheme going on right there. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Dark Ages, what can you say? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Dark Ages, I'm looking up this uh, Alfred the Great, or uh, Alfred, as he was known, the King of the West Saxons, uh, in the 800s AD, one of the great first Christian kings. Uh-oh. Canceled. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> Canceled. Anyway. Uh, so so these things were a big hit, kind of like uh, how tulips were in the Netherlands. They, they had a, a phase where everybody was really into daffodils. Yes. Um, and uh, again, we can either get into sort of the uh, – just, it's just briefly touching the history of daffodils in America. Um, but I do have a, a Dutch man speaking on keeping these, uh, heritage strains. If you'd like to hear that first, the Dutch love flowers. Yeah, go ahead. Well, today there's really only one grower of King Alfred, uh, in the Netherlands in Lissa Holland. And that's, uh, Eric Braid. He also curates one of the largest heirloom tulip collections in the world. He produces maybe a total of 400 bulbs per year in a little small row. Eric Braid was here recently, and he came to visit the 15 true King Alfred bulbs we have now flowering in the garden. Okay, so I'm at the Color Blends Display Garden with uh, Eric Braid, who's shooting some pictures of the daffodil, the true daffodil King Alfred. So, Eric, you're with this little stock of 15 bulbs of true King Alfred. So why do you continue to grow this small collection? Together with my father, I have a hobby collection of old varieties of daffodils and tulips. It's like a living museum. We try to preserve the old varieties because they are charming. And sure. Also, to be used for breeding, for hybridizing, to make new varieties. Mm -hmm. King Alfred is a very good grower. He used to be a good grower. It naturalizes well. They come back for many, many years. Sometimes you find them on old estates or old farm areas. It's, it's a small flower, but it's elegant. And the new varieties are more robust. I like the uh, I like that living museum. Hmm. Very very like interesting. Ancient seeds and ancient strands. I mean, Europe really, I think, <laughs> specializes in this and maintaining a lot of these very old old vegetable and flower strains. That yeah, and I I keep struggling with the word. I, I don't know why, but I've been saying heritage and whatnot. <laughs> it's uh, heirloom. That's heirloom. probably yeah. That's probably the most appropriate term. Uh, heirloom tulips, you said. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 They they have a whole different sort of agricultural mentality versus like where I'm from, California Valley. Not from the valley, but but that that whole fucking <laughs> shit is just what's that? This would be better as almonds. <laughs> oh, just all this GMO shit. I mean, aside from the all, there's shit that can only be grown here, like citrus, almonds. Yeah. Avocados, shit like that can only be grown here, but then, and walnuts and all kinds of random shit, but, but all of it's totally blown out with GMO and bullshit. 
And that's how it is really across the board with all American produce. It's all bulked up and, and just fucking manipulated all hell. But you go to Europe and they have all of these old, old strands. You go to the, the grocery store in Europe and they have these little wimpy little fruits, these little pears and little apples and shit. And they're bruised and they're real. It's real actual food. Ew. I know. I know. <laughs> it's stuff that would be thrown out in America. It would be thrown in the garbage. It's, this is uh, no good. That's <laughs> yeah, a different, different world than the flower thing. Flowers are just a whole market that are so, it's so, I don't know. I don't understand it myself. I'm not a flower guy. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, money in flowers, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, there was the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the flower stock exchange. Was it tulips? Yeah, in the tul- tulip mania in Holland. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the most famous um, bubbles oh. in history. Pump and dump. <laughs> just people went nuts because they're just so beautiful. They had this phase, and for some reason, you look at it when you look at the art, the great artists of the Netherlands, you'll find that nature and flowers are, are very much a part of their culture. And with the tulip mania, they they discovered tulips and they had all these people that bred all these different types and people would have these massive fields and they would showcase them and it became a sign of wealth and it just got out of hand. And eventually one day, you know, there was just too much money involved and the whole thing collapsed because they're just fucking flowers, you know? Yeah. They don't actually really serve any purpose other than looking pretty, <laughs> oh <my> which, <laughs> you know, is fine, but... It, you know, art nowadays, art and all of that—that's all used to launder money, and that's fine. But back back when it was just literally asset for asset. It's really know? not nice to say things like that about Hunter. Okay, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm establishing that now. Oh well, uh, sorry, sorry about that. Apologies to the Biden family. I owe it to. <laughs> Let's. Uh, uh, okay, so and yes, uh, bully student fund. But yes, you're right. I am a flower guy. In that sense, I, I don't like concentrates. That's for sure. <laughs> the uh, the thing that really kind of kicked off this little daffodil dive, uh, Spaz sent me an article that was incredibly fascinating. Uh, it really kind of got me kind of chewing on some stuff. Like this, this is the sort of stuff I definitely want to go out and keep an eye out on in the future. Um. But I did not real or I did not know that daffodils only grow through bulb division. Uh, humans must move them, or must move the plant during propagation because the uh, birds don't carry any seeds for them. Oh, is that because they've been manipulated beyond that? Like they, it it's the the human um, element is required. Yeah. Yeah, and someone, someone's got to physically, like, divide up that bulb, split it up into different parts so that they can go and plant the um, little baby plants. Hmm. The uh, the thing that makes that interesting, though, is the fact that only humans can can propagate them. It can help historic preservation uh, pr- preservationists identify the location of previous foundations and, more specifically, date the settlement of historic sites. Mm, okay. That's pretty cool. Like, okay. You, you see a flower and you see like a, like a pile of rubble. That's got some shape to it. One could maybe 
hypothesize that perhaps this used to be some sort of uh, human dwelling. <laughs> I see. No, yeah, you're right. If you had the domesticated, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, John Parkinson was the first person to bring a daffodil from Spain to England in the mid-16th century. And, uh, of course, his cultivators captured the attention of gardeners. It spread quickly in popularity, and daffodils were imported to the American colonies in the early 1700s. Even Thomas Jefferson was fond of them and mentioned them blooming in his journal on April 6, 1766. And I, there's a link to that in the show notes. Um, and TJ was all over it, man. He mm-hmm. was on everything. A uh, well-educated man. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's putting it mildly. Yep. Uh, there's 40 recognized species of daffodils with 20,000 registered cultivators. Uh, because of this registry, the time frame of the construction of a building can be narrowed down if there are daffodils nearby. They can also mark the presence of graves when the tombstones have fallen and the slow accumulation of dirt covers them as the decades pass. Hmm. Uh, they picked up popularity in the 19th century, became popular during garden parties and whatnot. Uh, it was a flower that was popular across classes. So you got your middle and upper Euro-American uh, uh, fans, and they were also used by, or they were brought, uh, the the settlers brought daffodils along with them when they were settling the West. Hmm. To pretty it up a bit. Add a little bit of color. Yeah. Yeah, I can get kind of uh, brown out here. But uh, given all of that, given all that, how do you how do you feel about the daffodil now? Or are you still think it's a poisonous uh, piece of shit? <laughs> or... I think it, a complicated morsel, all these things. It is a poisonous piece of shit with a beautiful history, just like so many things are. Um, yeah. It's well, always fun to hear about the history of the flower because you have the, the, the social reflection of it and you also have like the eugenics. The, yeah. The, you have the the actual creation or the domestication um, of the plant, which is a fun. It's always a fun history to get into. You can be a fun history to get into sometimes. I have one final clip for you that might... Uh tip the scales in one direction or the other. And it actually goes back to that first video because, well, it turns out breaking news. There might be some benefit after all. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. Oh, I muted good. my shit. Cause I needed to take a photograph. And you might not want to toss the mucilage at all because some plants actually seem to like it. Irises, for example, live longer when paired with daffodils. It seems that for them, narcyclicine prevents the production of enzymes and other proteins involved in aging, allowing the flowers to last longer. And irises might not be the only species to benefit from the daffodil sap. The father of medicine, Hippocrates, used salves of narcissus oil to treat cancer, of all things, way back in the 4th and 5th century BCE. And narcyclicine's anti tumor potential was recognized when it was isolated in the 1960s. So now researchers are taking a closer look to see if its ability to impede cell growth and survival could make it useful for managing and treating cancers. So yeah, daffodils are surprisingly feisty, and that's part of what makes them great. There's only one thing we can do with these daffodils. Fire! 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 So let Beavis and Butthead preach to the youth about fire. Mm-hmm. 
It, uh, yeah, they said that uh, Hippocrates was using daffodils to treat cancer in the 4th century. <laughs> wow, nice work, Hippocrates. The yeah. father of medicine, as they say. Yeah, and uh, I guess scientists believe that it might uh, be of benefits in this current day and age. But I also don't know if that technically falls under uh, pseudoscience or not. Well... If whatever scientists say that uh, it's good for you, uh, let's hope they're right and they don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. The, uh, did I drop? Oh, so the last picture that I posted in the chats, I, I realized uh, that this video is from two years ago. And I got to look in and I was like, wow, this, uh, they, this, uh, this group, the science show was way ahead of the time, just based off of the colors in the flower arrangement that they have on display. But that was kind of funny. Hmm. I've had enough of science. I think we should talk about rockets. If uh, if you would like to hear about it, science? No science. Yes, rockets. How how is rockets not science? Rocket science? You it's heard not, of rocket science? It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. It's like it's like uh, rocket motivation. We're going it's to rocket philosophy. Rocket philosophy. Yes. Yes, you're a rocket philosopher. Rocket. I understand that. <laughs> uh, so this uh, you have a PhD in rocket philosophy. This uh, video that we're about to play a series of clips from uh, was sent to us by Special Agent Doctor Sir Mike Crotch from last week via the text line oh, in the voice from an actual doctor. That's mm-hmm. good. Yes, this is medical advice. Funny enough, and that's not medical advice. And uh, I'm probably gonna let a lot of the clips just kind of speak for themselves because I've I've structured them out in a way that's uh, fairly concise. But there is a gentleman on the interwebs. I forget his name. It's it's listed in the show notes down below. Uh, this guy comes out on the interwebs and says that he's got an alternative theory as to why we landed on the moon. It's very, and it's nothing, it's nothing like jaw dropping, <laughs> ex- uh, n- like breaking news, but it's very concise. And I, I like the, uh, why we landed on the moon, why we landed on the moon. I like so this is all so he's also a rocket philosopher. He's yes. not going to explain to us how we landed on the moon. He's going to explain to us why. Why did we land? Exactly. It was uh it was even featured on a silver dollar. The moon landing, July 20th, 1969. Glorious day for humanity, for America, for science and everybody around the world. Humans had stepped off their little blue marble and landed on an even smaller little gray marble that orbits their little blue marble. All right, cause for celebration. One of the greatest feats of science and technology and engineering and discovery and exploration that mankind has ever achieved in the history of our entire species. Okay, I'll give you that. Uh, they put it on the back of a silver dollar and uh, pretty much haven't done much since then. And he goes on to talk about like the space shuttle and the various satellites that we've sent up over the years, but the actual act of going to the moon... Well, you know. No. Uh, the next clip gets into, well, he, he actually introduces Eisenhower's famous clip, which we talk about all the time. All the time. All the time. The famous. Standard fare. 
industrial, uh, the military industrial complex uh, on his way out of the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and the speaker in this video begins to form his uh, hypothesis of, of questioning or not questioning, mm. but uh, presentation. Let's look back at how the decade of the 1960s started. You had a new president coming into office, a president born in his century. Uh, he gave that famous speech, uh, leadership born in this century, trying to take America into the future. Um, Eisenhower was departing, and he gave his farewell address and warned us, all of us, in perpetuity, about the military-industrial complex. And then something very interesting happened. I think Fidel Castro was the father of the American space program more than any other individual in the world. And why do I say that? And I meant that to be provocative. I'm trying to get those wheels turning, and I'm about to explain to you why we did what we did and why we stopped. That's right. It's all Castro's fault. That would explain why Justin Trudeau hates the American space program, because it's sibling rivalry. Yes. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Justin's like the stepkid that never got no love. Like, man, I've never been to the moon. And the American space program is like, neither. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will not. Uh, I will not claim to know one way or another if we ever touch down on the moon. Uh, neither am I. You know, neither am I. Is, uh, we want to remain fair and balanced and represent all views from all we walks really of life. We really do. Yes. Uh, you know, if if we've been to the moon, then great. Yes. But if you if you've been lying about it, we're gonna figure it out. <laughs> uh, oh shit. Lavish, do you have a paper clip anywhere? Uh oh, I didn't realize that I needed one. I didn't realize it was that kind of an operation going on. Oh, baby. It's that time. It's time to close the missile gap. It is my theory that because of the Cuban missile crisis. When American strategic nuclear defense realized they had a huge missile gap with the Soviet Union. You see, after the end of World War II, uh, through Project Paperclip, we brought over people like Werner von Braun and others who were instrumental in the Nazi rocket program that built the V-1 and the V-2, which were very effective um, missile ballistic weapon systems. Um, we brought them over here, but the Russians captured some of the German scientists too and a whole lot of the hardware. They had actual working models to play around with. We didn't have quite as many, but we had a lot of the brains behind the operation and the organizational people. But the Russians captured quite a few of them as well. The Russians capitalized on the missile technology that they captured, and they were way ahead of us in the missile race. If you watch that movie, uh, what was it, Dr. Strangelove? Which I've never seen. Can we add that to the watch list? Oh, man, you've never seen Dr. Strangelove? I, I have... Man, I think the only Kubrick film I've seen is The Shining. Uh, well, we got to watch that one. You know, I don't like to shame people for not watching movies, especially stupid shit like Star Wars or whatever. But yeah. well, for you, you have got to watch Doctor Strangelove. I've told you my theory on it that uh, you know I've I, I've decided to sit on so many films for so long because there's going to be the that precise moment of when I need to see it. Well. You know well, I mean? uh, it, any time would be a good time. I will add it to the list. <laughs> Lone Wolf, we have a list. We have a movie list. Uh, I suppose I should find a way to make that public. Um, and, uh, I mean, shit, if people wanted to add things to the list. But Dr. Strangelove, dude, I mean, that is like, for me, 
such a massive, massive movie. Way ahead of its time. Fucking utterly brilliant. Peter Sellers is a genius. Mm. Kubrick's a genius. Uh, George C. Scott's a genius. Uh, the whole thing is just unbelievable. Um, and we got to watch it. We got to watch it immediately. I love that movie. I fucking love Dr. Strangelove. Nice. <clears throat> and that's that's my rant. He uh, he does bring up. Uh, this is the second time that he brought up Kubrick in this uh, discussion. He referenced his movie uh, two thousand and one and Space Odyssey, of course, being famous for the uh, <laughs> backlot of the moon. <laughs> yeah, well, Space Odyssey is what if if Kubrick did do the moon landing, if he did do the Apollo eleven moon landing, then it it was two thousand and one that got him the job. No doubt. Now this uh, this next clip that I have. Is oh, I, hold on. Let me back up here for a second because I did want to say it boggles my mind that for the past, let's see, nineteen forties is when World War Two ended. Nineteen forty-four or five, and then the Cold War really kind of picked up in the fifties. Cold War picked up really as soon as the World War okay, so like, ended because they that's Operation Paperclip, in my opinion. Is America trying to get these guys away from Russia? Because if they didn't grab them, then Russia would have, and they would have either recruited them or they would have murdered them. And it does make sense that Russia would end up with all their technology, um, with yeah. it being, you know, spit and distance for all practical purposes. <laughs> and at the time, they were the most entitled to it because they had suffered the most. Yep. And they were the ones that, that marched on Berlin. They were the ones that really bled for that victory. And if they wanted to take that territory and they wanted to take those scientists, it actually was in their prerogative to do so. And, but, and massive civilian casualties upwards of 12 million because of all of the sieges that they were, uh, that they underwent in the cities. A oh, lot of yeah, cannibalism no. and shit. They, yeah, they suffered greatly from, from, their, from the offensive that Germany gave on them. But when they were able to strike back, they murdered yeah. A lot of people in as a retaliation. Yeah, but I mean, tens of millions. They 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 uh, calculate that maybe twenty five million Russians died in a period of like four years, mm. which is a whole generation of men. That's almost that the original COVID numbers. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> a day, twenty five million dying a day of COVID. Yes, ice cream trucks. Um, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, so the Operation Paperclip, getting the rocket scientists and the Nazis out of Germany and having them work for the Allies instead of the what became the Cold War, which became you know World War Three, which is now turning into World War Three, some weird version of it. But the 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 capitalist and communist line is so blurred now because everybody is a weird hybrid of both. Even if they don't own up to it, I think that I think that the United States is much more socialist and much more dependent on the state than it gives itself credit. Um, and I think that, especially like given the vision of the founding fathers or even of the post Civil War Reconstruction, uh, this country is is very socialist in in a given sense, and and extremely dependent on the state and on corporations and on. This sort of thing. There, there really isn't a whole lot of autonomy, and it's also based on a, on a global banking system, which is the most important thing. 
you know, everything is run from Lloyd's and from, uh, and from wall street. Right. That's the idea. Yeah. Look at that. UN and, uh, original Soviet union flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, these people didn't die. They didn't go away. The leadership, you know, they lost, but everybody's still here. And, you know, that's why you have this, that's why they keep talking about all this denazification in Ukraine and all this stuff. It's like, it just boggles my mind that for the past 70 years, uh, countries have been fucking, or I shouldn't even say countries like in the beginning years of operation paperclip. And then all of the assholes that those assholes that we brought over from Germany, all those assholes that they taught just how long these two countries have been pitting Nazi technology against each other. Mm hmm. Because uh, World War II leveled the playing field in a lot of ways, I think. Everybody got a taste of, of the big stuff. And then we had the nuclear energy, which is the new level. But as far as, like, armament is concerned, everyone has assault rifles and rocket launchers. Mm-hmm. You know? That's yeah. it. And that big technology boom, too, just really drives it. War, yeah. War is great for innovation. <laughs> I yeah. Need, I need better, faster, more effective ways to kill as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. All about efficiency. That's what technology has always been about. Efficiency. The uh this next clip that I have, it's a bonus one. I was gonna run it by you to see if uh if you wanted to hear hear it. It's about the B fifty twos that America was using. Um mm-hmm. the you know big bombers. Yeah. <coughs> Turning in Adam. Excuse me. Um it's a little on the long side. I, I if you want to hear about some uh some bombers or whatnot, but basically it's saying that, uh, American strategists realized that they wouldn't have the time to strike back. If Russia attacked with the missiles that they had stored in Cuba, um, Mm -hmm. because the, uh, the, the bombers are known for strategic bombing, like, you know, carpet bombing almost. Right. Um, and that's how, that's how the allies won world war two, according to him is by strategic bombing. They just, you know, Fucking laid it on Germany once they got in. Well, that was the mo. That was just air strategy in general. That's that's what the Battle of London was. That's what Germany had done to Creek. London. Yeah, they just fucking turned everything into a parking lot. That was their that was their strategy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to rubbleize. Yeah, big time. <laughs> Very much opposite of what I like. I, today <laughs> I watched a Ukraine missile blow up a uh, or a Russian missile blow up a building in Ukraine. It was a, I don't know if you saw this, but it was like a sporting complex or something like a sports store. And it was housing APCs and, and volunteers. And, um, and I, I don't know. I watched a video today of them blowing it up (laughs) and it was an extremely targeted missile. And you saw all like the, the, the helicopter footage and, and all this stuff. And, and then like leading up to the charge and, and it's in kind of a crowded neighborhood and they just said one single thing down there. Boom. Pops it up. It doesn't hit anything else but this one building. So they precise. It, they got it within 12 meters at least. <laughs> yeah, 12 <laughs> meters. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> got it right on the right on the nose. Well, that's what yeah. that's what a lot of this back and forth uh during the um the Cold War with America and Russia is that uh, each one had a different style when it came to how they built and, or they designed and built missiles. Um, mm-hmm. 
in this next clip, you'll hear about how Russia was going for more of a shotgun effect. So as long as you get close, close is good enough. Um, mm. But for us, you know, we're how far from Russia and we got, you know, these slower B-52s and whatnot. It's going to take upwards of five hours to try and react or, you know, send something to Russia if they were to attack us. You know, we would have it would take us five hours to retaliate. Mm hmm. Um, but here's a, here's my our general strategy. Sorry to interrupt you again, but our general strategy I find was just to overwhelm them with numbers. Mm-hmm. It just seemed to be the case. Like with, with the America, that's all we could do is, as America was just overwhelm them with numbers. Cause we didn't have good technology. We didn't have, well, we'll find and out. We were operating far from home and we had to have a, a logistic a supply line that could actually produce results. And we didn't really have time to like, or the, or, or the, the ability to do these very uh, minute little operations like this. We had to go in there and win and get out because it was expensive. Cause this is America. God damn it. Yeah, that's the way, that's the way we do it. <laughs> um, that's yeah. the way we've done it since the civil war is, is we go in there and we just fucking try to get it done as soon as possible. This is uh this is my next clip. It's uh it's almost like a twelve gauge. Well, had the Russians started a war in the early nineteen sixties during the Cuban Missile Crisis, they had a lot of missiles. We didn't have that many. Ours weren't that good. Theirs were fairly accurate, but the Germans always took a shotgun approach. Or not the Germans, I'm sorry. The Soviets always took a shotgun approach to their nuclear missile um, arsenal because they would build the biggest rockets they could. Because they had to put big, heavy, mega, megaton warheads on there because their weapons weren't nearly as accurate. So it was like firing a 12-gauge slug if they hit even near where they were aiming. If they were aiming at your shirt pocket but hit you in the shoulder, it's still going to do a tremendous amount of damage and take you off your feet. Their idea was if they missed the target by 40 miles but they had a bomb that could obliterate anything within 50 miles of where it landed, that was good enough. You just got to get close enough. Yeah. It's like horseshoes. Yeah, that makes sense. Just whatever. Go for it. Let's go. <laughs> Russia, Russia's strategy was if you don't have a gun and the guy in front of you dies and he has a gun, then you pick up his gun and you keep fighting. Now, the uh, this next clip here gets into how America took a different approach when it came to the way, like like I just stated before this previous clip. Um, taking a different perce- uh, approach where they wanted more precision that they could deliver quickly. So while the, you know, Russians had the czar bomb and shit like that, these massive, huge, massive, extending over out, outside of the atmosphere and whatnot, we wanted to, I, I think still, he- I think the largest nuclear explosion to date. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Czar bomba. Czar bomba. Um, but yeah. The Americans went the other way. We were trying to make sure we had pinpoint accuracy to deliver a smaller payload, but directly on target, like right through somebody's bedroom window. And therefore, we were way behind. We had what they call a missile gap. Now, America had all kinds of awesome B-52 bombers carrying these big, heavyweight, multi-megaton warheads that they could drop. But most of them wouldn't be on their target for four to six hours. Um, America would have ceased to exist five and a half hours before our counter-strike. That left us at a serious strategic disadvantage when you can only react to your enemy's actions and you don't have first-strike capability. And we didn't. 
but the Russians did. So, when Kennedy gave his famous speech on the grounds of Rice University there in Houston, Texas, where NASA was later founded, and uh, the Johnson Flight Space Flight Control Center is there, I've been there. Uh, I thought it'd be more impressive. It's like um, a time capsule. You go back in time when you go visit NASA and look at all the things they actually let you see. It, it was really underwhelming. I mean, it was still cool, but it was very, very underwhelming. Um, so when he gave that famous speech about we choose to go to the moon and do the other things in this decade because they are hard, not because they are easy and all that, well, I think something happened after the Cuban Missile Crisis and a huge gift was given to the military-industrial complex. I think our strategic defense uh, leaders got together and said we need to catch up to the Russians and surpass them in our missile technology. Now, guess what, kids? It was going to cost billions of dollars. It was going to take hundreds of thousands of people working around the clock to make this happen, all while having to be approved by the taxpayer. Now, the Vietnam War was just starting to ramp up. A lot of Americans wanted to avoid foreign entanglements. That young president had just been assassinated. It was a tumultuous time. I don't really think it takes all that much to get the public uh, approval these days. Well, nobody wants to pay more taxes. <laughs> I mean, that, but... No, it's it's funny, yeah. You go to NASA and it's a time capsule. Those guys haven't fucking done anything since the 60s or 70s or whatever. I mean, they've done little publicity stunts. And then you have things like the Challenger or Columbia, right? Are those the two ones that blow up? Uh, I believe... I don't uh, actually remember off the top of my head. Challenger, Discovery, Columbia, whatever. There's two of them, I think, blow up. Hazy, but you had these really awful situations where people would die in these in these launches, and it stopped. People stopped doing them, uh, and they just they just didn't care about it. And then Elon Musk came around, basically. I mean, other than that, NASA's NASA. You have the military-industrial complex. When he's talking about missiles and, and, and that sort of thing. He's not talking about NASA. He's talking about Lockheed Martin. He's talking about Northrop. Raytheon. He's talking about Raytheon. He's talking about these massive arms companies and the ones that are associated with them, the chemical companies, DuPont, whatever. I mean, and the, and the steel and every, it's just, you're talking about that, not about NASA. NASA's a publicity stunt. <laughs> It's a joke. Somewhere in the back of my head, and this might be demonstrably false, but I want to say I get the feeling that NASA was one of, if not the highest paid government or highest funded governmental institutions. If what isn't? Sorry? If NASA. It's so, it's got the tiniest budget in the world from what I've seen. I'm. It's a paltry amount of money. I need to circle back on that because I. It just always, like, in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, I don't know where I've heard this. I don't know. NASA's who the fuck budget said it. for 2022 is $24 billion. It's nothing. Hmm. $24 billion Paltry. Is nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. You understand? They used to get so much more. I mean, $24 billion, I mean, really, like, in the, in the space of, of the American economy, <laughs> like, Something that has a, you know, multi-trillion dollar GDP, $24 billion is not that much money. Right. 
Well, the uh, we'll, we'll come back to these clips here because I only got uh, three more. Oh, um, but it's 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 neat stuff because this uh, this coming one here, he actually delivers his payload to the hypothesis, um, and basically it's the same technology between getting to the moon and blowing the fuck up at a at a at a somebody delivered hot and fresh in thirty minutes or less. Now, had somebody been absolutely honest and laid out the case that, hey, we need to spend possibly hundreds of billions of dollars and untold millions of man hours to figure out a way to wipe out 90% of the people on this planet in 30 minutes or less, I don't think that would have been a really big sell. Now, you see your main taxpayer back then were people who had fought or whose fathers, brothers, uncles had fought in the most devastating war in the history of humanity and they had had enough they had seen enough so you got to convince these people to pay all this money to design creative and cutting edge ways of annihilating the entire species would have been a very tough sell until somebody some genius probably a former Nazi propagandist slash rocket scientist came along and said well what if we couched it as a race with the Russians to get to the moon? Because guess what, kids? The very same technology that you would need to get a 2,000-pound payload to the moon is the exact same technology you would need to get a 2,000-pound warhead with pinpoint accuracy anywhere in the Soviet Union in 30 minutes or less. Uh, so we'll, we'll move past this, um, the next clip just for time's sake, but, um, it's a lot easier to blow somebody up with a missile than it is to send someone to the moon because you don't have to then turn around and send the missile back to its point of origin, of, of course. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically it was a project that they worked on out in the open because they knew that it was going to be so huge and there were so many people uh, involved with it, that there's no way that they could ever keep it secret. Um, so they gave it a shiny, fresh coat of propaganda paint and turned it into the famed space race between Russia and America. Mm. Nice and tidy. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap up with this uh, last one. It's short, thirty seconds. So we did not have first strike capability, and if the Russians had left their missiles in Cuba, we wouldn't have had the ability to counter-strike. Not effectively. So thanks to a guy with a beard and a cigar on an island in the Caribbean, we put people on the moon. And the reason we haven't gone back is because they perfected the technology they needed. They've spent the last 50 years miniaturizing it, updating it, making it more powerful, making it more accurate. But the reason we didn't go back was because the job was done. One of America's most successful defense programs was never spoken of as a defense program. <laughs> so basically, most likely nothing is really the internet isn't talked about in in the prospect of defense either. But oh, the DARPAnet was developed. Yeah, and every major scientific advancement is ties to the military at some point, and the vast majority of them were developed by the military. All I'm getting at is if we see a big uh, space space push up here in the next couple couple of years. I'm gonna start getting real worried. 
No, come on, boobs. Nothing ever happens. They're not going to do anything. Just you watch, man. Two weeks. Two weeks. Check it out, bro. Yeah, yeah. Elon's next rocket is called Two Weeks. Yeah, no, we're going to get this this low orbit situation going, you know, because that's all they can afford to do. Nobody can actually go into outer space. It's too Mm, Too expensive. Too expensive, yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, that's uh, that's all I got for tonight. Uh, Beautiful. Maybe we'll um, wash it down with a scream mail. Wash me down. Well, you guys are staying dangerous. Dangerous. That girl is so dangerous. Dangerous. Girl is so oh, the dangerous. There's a chicken. Seriously, who brought the fucking chicken? <laughs> Give me some of that chicken, baby. Uh, let's see what the sex caller's got to say. Uh, am I on the schemes? Where's everybody at? Why is nobody calling? It's making me angry. Me I too. I saw he died. Whoa. Oh my God. Whoa. Oh my God. Thanks for calling, Hillary. Can yeah. you guys, do you know who that was who just called us just now? That was oh Hillary Rodham Clinton. That was Hill, Hill Dog Rodham Clinton. Hill Dog. Herself. <laughs> the Queen of Mean, the Mistress of the Night. Sucking machine. (laughs) Mount Hoover. The one. (laughs) The only. Hill Dog Clinton came in. She came, she came, and then he died. She came, she laughed, people died. Rodham, and then she rod him. (laughs) Bomb them, bomb them, bomb them, bomb them again. Bomb them again. Bomb them again, caller. Thank you, caller. Thank you. For your courage and for your call. We uh we had a couple of text uh yeah, text messages come through the voice line, which you can do. You can send us messages that includes pictures. Uh this folk or this person I should say says, Wow, I didn't realize texting was possible, but here we are in the two hundredth century. Two <laughs> thousandth century, everybody. It's a pretty funny pick. I'm gonna save it. They sent along a picture. I don't know what it's from, but uh, maybe if you recognize it, you can let me know in the chat. Uh, it's possibly from a movie. That would be my guess. Uh, we had okay, pull that page back up. Oh, uh, we had another uh, video. It looks like a link to check out. So we will get that saved and circle back to it. I don't know what movie this is from. This looks like an older movie. Maybe it's a porno. Oh, the lie we were talking about. The lie we were taught about lighters. Hmm, interesting. And the last one said, uh, tonight. Oh, <gasps> lavish. What? Someone sent us a picture of their tarot spread. Oh, really? That's cool. Oh, nice. You got to throw that up. We'll see what the spread is. Yeah. I will, uh,. That's a pretty nice spread. Yes. And it comes from the Line Strider deck. Get that 
pulled up. I swear it's coming. It's going to come. I'm coming. I don't come in yet. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Let's take a look here. See what we got. Oh, we got a, th- a three quadrua here. And a lighter, a purple lighter. Very nice. Yes. Queen of Cups up. We got Temperance. We've got the High Priestess, and we've got our favorite, the Seven of Swords. Wow, a lot going on. I like it. I like it. There's a lot of uh, feminine energy going on here. Queen of Cups, Temperance, High Priestess, and then Seven of Swords is a card that we got not too long ago on a show. And as I've said before, it's the first card that I ever drew when I joined the show. Or first card that we drew <laughs> on episode uh, thirty-eight. It's a joint thing. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's 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 a us thing. It's a we draw the card. Booberry draws the card. So if this is a three-card draw with uh, temperance in the the past position, it's a card signifying there was balance in the past uh, or behind you, peace, patience, moderation, uh, mm-hmm. turning uh, a lead into gold. Ah, yes, transmutation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a sign that things in your life are harmonious. Got a decent balance going on. And then the high priestess is kind of like the... She's like uh, the counterpart to the magician. Uh, who's that one elf yeah. in the Lord of the... or the Yeah, the Lord of the Rings series. She's uh, the Galadriel. Yeah, the Galadriel, you know? Yeah, she's the the mystic, the one who communicates with the spiritual and the divine. And she actually is seated between the two pillars of Solomon and um, has has the moon at her feet. She's a magical creature. Yes, and if this card's in the middle position, then that uh, could be interpreted as the present if it was uh, indeed a three-card spread. Yeah, the present. And it's a, it's a good centering card. Temperance and High Priestess are both good centering cards. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the future card is the Seven of Swords, which shows uh, a man running away from a battlefield with five swords, and he's left two behind because he's in such a hurry. More pillar uh, imagery. More pillar imagery. There's a lot of duality here in this spread. Temperance has two cups, High Priestess has two pillars, and there are two pillars in the Seven of Swords as well. And if I was a betting man, I want to say that this uh, this freak that is sent in this uh, this uh, picture of their of their draw is quite possibly a Gemini. Oh, I do believe so. If, if this is the color or the texture that I think it is, then yes, I think that they are indeed. A Gemini, and if it is who I think it is, they share a very similar astrological, uh, I don't know, profile as myself. That's fun. I, uh, I would, I would totally be down for, uh, for checking photos like this out all the time. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh yeah. If anyone wants to do their own little spread for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that is something we would uh, thoroughly enjoy uh, checking out. Mm-hmm. Nice, it's a good time. It's a good time after all. Um, it's a really good time. Uh, do you have a like a? Can we like uh, use a an intermission maybe that we haven't used in a while? 
Yes, I can do that. Yeah. All right. I can do that. Not a problem. Let's, let's throw one of those up. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take a, a little intermission here, I believe. And uh, it should only be about 10 minutes or so. And then we will be back for a second, second half of show. Indeed. I got to find uh, something. That's... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. You keep going. And then also, uh, we will be thanking our fantastic producers who contributed to episode 89, tonight's episode, uh, our Freaks of Hazards. If you would like to produce the show, this is a value-for-value show. You can always go to our website. You can call us, leave a voicemail. You can send us an email. You can chat with us in our chat room and, you know, share ideas or or comments or anything on what we've talked about. All of that is considered value, and all of it is considered production and uh, and contributes to the show. So we will Mm -hmm. be thanking people when we come back from our intermission, people who deserve to be thanked. Pick a number, 45 or 46. 40, oh, I got to go with my man, 45. <laughs> nice. Have fun, everybody. <laughs> I don't remember what was on this one. It was so long ago. Yeah. Oh, where's the punch? <laughs> what were Ooh. we doing back then? What was his thing, man? <laughs> Let's go to a couple of questions that we've actually received since we started the, the webcast. Uh, the first is on population growth, and the question is, one of our most pressi- pressing issues is population growth. How do you uh, expect this to be addressed? Well, the population growth issue at the global level is not that daunting. That is, the population percentage-wise is growing slower today than in the past, and so it will actually peak out. The problem is that the population is growing the fastest where people are less able to deal with it. So it's in the very poorest places that you're going to have a tripling in population by 2050. And so their ability to feed, educate, provide jobs, stability, protect the environment in those locations mean uh, they're faced with an almost impossible problem. Northern Nigeria, Yemen, Chad. Uh, And so what we need to do is 
take this aid generosity and this innovation and go into those places, uh, offer the women better tools where they want to space birthing or, or have a smaller family size, and improve health because it's amazingly, as, as children survive, parents feel like they'll have enough uh, kids to support them in their old age, and so they choose to have less children. Niger right now, it's still seven children per family, whereas in the richer countries, uh, you're often at, at a stable point, of which is 2.1 or, or even less. And so it's really an acute problem in a, a certain number of places, and we've got to make sure uh, that we help out with the tools now so that they don't have an impossible situation later. Bill Gates up to that little chicken neck. Uh, you know how he walks like, uh, like a demonic elf. Hey, Bill Gates. Uh, and Angelina Jolie going, uh, children. I am Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm Piers Morgan. Ever seen a Chowini? My name's Glenn Beck. That's Hillary. Hold on, I'm Gary Johnson. Hi, this is Barack Obama without my teleprompter. I was raised by the Ford Foundation and Carnegie Endowment. Welcome to McDonald's. May I help you? I'm Benny Sanders. Chris Hazel's glasses, like he's a little smart. Rachel Meadow. Thank you, Satan, for all your love. Signed, Cheryl Sandberg. Job of the Hut. <laughs> I'm the amazing Randy. I am Optimus Prime. I am William F. Buckley of the Central Intelligence Agency, here to control and steer the conservative movement into the sewer line. And the establishment says, Kambuga Shakamunda, Kunga Kingo, Ugalaka, Blue Black, 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 Black. There's no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we're the imagination of ourselves. How do you like that? How do you like that? It's all a dream. And it just says, drink Coke. <laughs> it's all a dream. So we knew that as kids and we forgot it. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Life is but a dream. But we forgot it. But I didn't. <laughs> okay. Okay. How do you like that? It's all a dream. How do you like that? Life is but a dream. Paramedics arrived and started trying to save the president. They found his head, which had rolled underneath a beautiful car, and they started giving President Kennedy's head mouth-to-mouth. When the paramedics were done giving President Kennedy's head mouth-to-mouth, they sewed his head back onto his body. President Kennedy sat up and looked around and said, I'm back, motherfuckers, and then his head immediately exploded. I have two shotguns on my home. They're locked in a safe. There's another gun case. We live in an area that's wooded, somewhat secluded. And I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Buy shotgun, buy shotgun. You don't need machine gun, you don't need 30 rounds. Buy shotgun, buy double barrel shotgun. 
my boomstick! Welcome back to second, second half of Behind the Schemes for March 21st. March 21st, baby! 2022. My, how far the intermissions have come. Yeah, so that was a blast from the past, uh, but man, those... That, that's a funky one, though. I really like that intermission. Yeah, that uh, that last song was uh, <laughs> was written and produced and sang by a uh, co-host of the show, Malachi. It's probably the one song that has ended up the most on this show. <laughs> I, I I love that track. It's a good jam. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's a real funky jam. You know, I actually had an idea on the way up here. It was a stroke of genius. Oh? We should take all of the intermissions... And put them on the stream. Ah, and just have them. Ah, that's a good idea. Just cycle through. Well, we've talked about what we can do with the stream because we there's a, there's a couple ideas. From, that's a good idea. We should do that for sure. And then the audiobook thing, I would also like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we've been talking about, just getting certain. Just certain things that we like, you know, maybe it's, uh, well, I've, I've already pulled Bill Cooper, uh, Bill Cooper clips and shit like that. Uh, what, what was the series that he did? Um, it's, yeah, he did a lot of series and he did a radio series in particular that's on YouTube that I found, but I was pulling that one by one, mm-hmm. but it's, it's one of his more famous one, uh, series that he's, that he did, but I'm just blanking on it, but there's that. <laughs> And then we brought up LibriVox recordings, too. Yep. So it really just uh, takes us getting together, I think, on a weekend, uh, maybe after March has passed, and we can really uh, compile stuff. Because th- what I was originally thinking is we can just use the music and upload episodes and uh, and whatnot. But I mm-hmm. think the intermissions, since they have all of the extra clips and whatnot, that would probably be a better use of the uh, of the stream. Yeah, I would agree. In in tandem, of course, with what uh, what you were just talking about. Yeah, we, it can be a variety of whatever, but definitely to to compilate all the uh, compilate all the stuff between you and I, all the intermission music. <laughs> Soon we <laughs> will dethrone your favorite compilation website. <laughs> <laughs> Loud comp your comp, bro. <laughs> Straight out of Compton. <laughs> That's a uh, oh. <laughs> oh, funny. We should uh, we should probably thank some uh, freaks of hazards, which are people that come through and help support and produce this show week Absolutely. after week. Absolutely, we uh, we are a value for value production, like we stated at the beginning of the show. So if you would like to reach out and help support this uh, public radio, this gratuitous display of public radio. Uh, Against tra- a microphone. Tra- trashy, trashy microphone. V- visceral. It was good radio. It, it was, was bad radio. <laughs> uh, you can head over to our websites, badradio.live or behindtheschemes.com. Uh, we got emails. With threes for ease and the schemes, basically. Yes, and I uh, we have emails, boo at behindtheschemes.com, spelled the same way, and of course, lavish at behindtheschemes.com. Behind yep, that's right. Yep. I'm just typing in behindtheschemes normally and seeing if we come up. 
Uh, I think it's the uh, the one about the animal rights that comes up. Damn, still is. Mm-hmm. We talk about animal rights. Yeah, literally all like every all episode. The yeah, yeah. Have you seen my PETA tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so our first uh, our first producer for tonight is one John Fletcher from the show Hawk Story. Comes in with his monthly support. Uh, John via Fletcher. He's got a donation set up for five dollars and fifty five cents. Shows up every Ooh. month. We really appreciate that. Yeah, that's awfully kind of you, Sir John Fletcher of the Hog Story. Um, if you uh, Hog Story is another show that you can get up in there and uh, boost away and get in on that action, that's boost right. them up. Uh, they're very compliant, and uh, they're on every Monday and Thursday. They're on right before us on Monday, and then they're on at the same time on Thursday. Pretty, pretty simple. Indubitably. Um, and I'm hoping, um, this week I haven't had a chance to really sit down and, and, uh, work with the, uh, the necessary folks, but hopefully we'll be able to emulate something like they've, uh, been using the boost after boost. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the, um, that's the bowls boost bots. Uh, they use the, uh, boostagram from telegram bot. So they'll mm. show up in the chats. Mm. So we appreciate that. Um, and Very much. just for you, Fletcher, I found this super exclusive uh, jingle for you. <laughs> Coming in next. <laughs> Coming yeah. in next, Servo and oh, sorry, you go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just, oh, you're I'm good. Just going. It's uh Servo and Cotton Gin. They were uh they were working together, and I was there pushing buttons from this side this previous Sunday. Uh, they were working on getting some new features. Uh, working with Gal. Um, one of the ones I do know off the top of my head. They've set it up that Stacy will now. Um, and Stacy is the bridge bot that we use. So if you go into our Discord, which I don't, I'm not gonna push. I don't promote if you're in it. Or if you want but to get in, if you it. are a Discord person, you can get into the green room that way. Yeah, we do that with this bridge called Stacy. And uh, those command the the things that you ask Gal to do will now work with Stacy, which was not the case. So if you're in Discord, you should be able to give karma. You should be able to draw tarot cards, uh, roll the die, all of that. Exactly. Yeah, we operate with multiple bots. So Stacy's the bridge bot for Discord. And then Gal is the bot that does an inordinate amount of things. Yes, she's um, amazing. She's incredible. She's the coolest bot on the chat. It's not even fucking close. And uh, and, and I, she's kind of cute. Kinda. You shut your mouth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to say Cotton Gin also set up a Sats bot, or maybe it was the both of them. But uh, you can also convert uh, currency now. Um, so if you want to, uh, ever oh, check, yeah, the, uh, USD against sats or vice versa. Um, yeah. The, con- the converter bot is in. <laughs> so if you want to see how you're, <laughs> what's that? I'm reading the exclamation point date. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Sats bot is a different bot. Outside that would be of a Gal. conflict of interest. That's funny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me call HR. 
Uh, it refers was, you to Servo. Yeah. That's awesome. That's Sir, so funny. Yeah, is, please, uh, I'll direct you to our HR department. <laughs> please, please. <coughs> oh, Lord. Servo. What the fuck? What do you want? There was something uh, else. There was something else about uh, what will display when you uh, call up what's playing on the stream. Um, there was uh, some uh, issue, but then we did the absent six back, and I kind of slipped my mind what exactly we were working on. But uh, <laughs> lots going on. Oh, oh yeah. that's we'll, and we'll talk about that in a second once we're done talking about the freaks. The uh, the last person I'd like to thank, Spaz sent me a bunch of his ISOs that he was using at work when um he was trying to pass the time and piss off some coworkers. <laughs> nice. Uh so these are these are authentic jingles that uh are passed down and I'm just going to kind of hit you with a bunch in quick fire succession but uh the dialect that you heard at the beginning of the show and the Beavis and Butthead those are courtesy of Spaz uh, Sweet. Yeah. Second All gen. Lies. All lies. All lies. Lies. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. We are the board. You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. I think I got all those references. Hell yeah. You're a little Three Stooge, you got a little Star Trek in there. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah, uh, Doctor yeah. Who. Uh, Some Hoobie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this one. Never heard of no one so shit all stupid as you driving off that road. You must have got manure for your brains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but by far, I think the one that stands out the most to me, I am a huge fan of The Tick, whether it be the cartoon, the comic, the uh the Patrick Warbutton live action series. I love it all. I think it's brilliant. I can't get enough of that shit. I got my first official tick ISO. Java Devil, you are now my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Tick's great. Oh yeah, I love that shit. So thank you. We we really appreciate that. <laughs> Did you like the new tick that they made? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I was into it. Uh wasn't too bad. Yeah. I don't know if I actually saw the second season of it now that I, or whatever the first official season was. Cause I, they did like this weird mini series starting out. If I remember correctly. Hmm. Um, so, I remember yeah. giving it a try and I wasn't, I, I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to watch it. Yeah. I don't, uh, I like the more sitcom sort of, uh, uh, 2000s version with Warbuck. Yeah. 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 I like that. Pat- Patrick Warburton. Yeah. Hey, this is Patrick Warburton. Mm-hmm. I used to do such a good pack because he, he does the, at uh, Disneyland, he, he hosts one of the rides there. It's oh. the one where it takes you up in like, uh, takes you and a bunch of people up in the air and it sprays scents at you, like odors, and you fly through a screen or you're like in front of a big screen and you're pretending like you're flying over all these different places. And like, so you'll fly over an orange grove in California and it'll spray orange smell at you. Oh, I love it. Uh, you know, I got personal stories about, uh, <laughs> motherfucking <laughs> scent machines. Oh yeah. This is like high end scent machine shit, <gasps> but Patrick Warburton, he owes the thing. So when you're, when you're standing in line, he's like, make sure to take your seatbelt and dick, dick, dick. 
It's uh, <laughs> it's just funny. Hell yeah. And he's like serious, like pilot, pilot man. Devils, devils. Seinfeld reference. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. And then we also yesterday, or not yesterday, on Sunday. That was. Wait, that was yesterday. That was yesterday. Gosh. Okay. Yeah, it was yesterday. So in yesterday, on yesterday, uh, we, a Booberry and myself and Sir Seat Sitter, Sir Sir Seat Sitter of, uh, Abs and a Six Pack and Larry Blydner of that Larry show and Planet Rage, which he hosts with Therano every Monday morning. Um, we participated in the Battle of the Douchebags, Part 2. And uh, it was a great time. Mm. We, we refined the system a little bit. We we came down from 16 opponents to 8. Which was the perfect number. It was, a, it was a good time. And then especially with the fourth person, I thought, was excellent. Larry was a great addition. And uh, and we had, a, we had a really splendid time. We followed up No Agenda Live. And uh, had a lot of people voting on No Genesis Social and calling in and doing all kinds of stuff. So it was a good time. Did you uh, Did you get a chance to check it out when he posted it? Uh, have I listened back to it? Yeah, because he. I don't want to spoil it. If uh, if of course, if folks haven't heard it, but I thought the way that Sir Sir Seat Sitter started off that show with the cold open was brilliant. Well, I I have yeah. to tell you that it actually it was our idea to come. I told him that that Curry had talked about us like that, and yeah. I gave him the timestamp for that, and he was like, "Oh, oh wow, nice. this is great! I'm going to make this the beginning of the show." And I was like, "That's a fucking great idea, perfect." And it was it was perfect, and it was I thought it was like a great build up, a great fucking send off for us. So, thank you very much to Adam Curry and John C. <laughs> Dvorak for giving us a, a, a great um, little promo right before we did that. That was very appreciated. And now it's the, the opener of the episode, the yeah. official <laughs> opener of the episode. And it's it's killer. Nice. Aha. I loved it. It's a great time. <laughs> it was a tight show. Uh, everything was snapping. We had tons of, there was 30 people uh, participating yeah. on Mastodon voting in real time. So very cool. Very legal. Sorry, Between- Kennedy Jr. sorry robert kennedy god i still have to read his fucking book um i've got it sitting there on my fucking dresser Mm. um yeah like between 30 and 35 people per round and we did what like uh one two six seven rounds in all so yeah seven rounds of people participating voting in it was uh and in the finals, who was in the finals, Mr. Booberry? It was Neil Young, which was uh, uh, Larry Blydner's participant, versus Cenk Younger, Uger, uh, which is inf- yours. Inf- no, that was uh, that was actually or Chris's. Chris's, I'm sorry. Yes, Satan. Um, yes, he was the Cenk man, and yes. I think that that means that actually that means Chris is two for two now. Yes, he knows how to pick him. He knows how to pick him. He knows his douchebags. I I failed. You know, I have to I have to admit something here. And the first one, I didn't even pick my own guy. I just came in a little later. But this time, I actually picked my own guys. And I have to say, picking James Brown was a bad pick. Mm. Especially going up against Neil Young, there was no fucking way that James Brown was going to win that. Um, but 
I just I I really wanted to just take clips from Tales from the Tour Bus. And, yeah, because <laughs> it, it's just so funny and it's so awesome. Um, and and he really is you know, in, in a lot of ways he is a, a d bag, but he's just such a badass dude that it's like <laughs> it's kind of just like I don't know I don't know how to put it. Yeah, well, <laughs> he at least he at least contributed something to the world is how I'll put it. Well, like they Whereas, say, you'll have a yeah. job for as long as we're in the air. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember you reacting to that. That's so cold blooded shit, you know. That's uh, <laughs> he knows but, what he wants, uh, and then you know, of oh, course, yeah. you get the control the, control freak, the PCP angle, and just kind of well, well, the PCP angle is kind of sad, yeah, and uh, and all that. And then there was like a hella nice story that I omitted from all of that. That like he helped out a great uh, a great musician who was in his uh, band Cash. Gosh, uh, I forget his last name, but he's a great classic, you know, like funk jazz musician. And he played with JB when he was a young guy and he, and he replaced, you know, when JB was an older guy and he was touring around and he asked James Brown if he could help him get out of the draft because Vietnam was happening. And, um, and James Brown was like, you don't want to fight for your country, son. He's like, no, sir. He's like, okay. So he went and got Thurgood Marshall the first African-American Supreme Court justice when he was a young man, before he was a Supreme Court justice, back when he was just a hotshot lawyer. He went and got Thurgood Marshall and brought him backstage and was like, and and hooked him up and was like, yeah, man, asked him some questions and da-da-da. And he said, okay, when you go home to Cincinnati, go to your draft board. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So Total boss. James is the man. Yeah, he's the man. So wait, what are you going to do? My other guy was a little douchier. Uh, Lars Ulrich of Metallica. Mmm, spit in my mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> Some real shit, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah no, I was, I was having the... I, I couldn't... I guess I couldn't quite commit as hard as I was wanting to the to the, to the the Jello stuff. Jello Biafra of uh, Dead Kennedys. Yeah, the yeah. musician angle... I don't think I'm going to go with musicians next time. I it's think... Tough. Unless you're, that, unless you're Larry, you got Neil. Well, Neil, but even then, Neil didn't win. Like every mm. Neil was the shoe in. Even uh, even douchebag Pat, you know, he called in to let us know. Like he, everybody thought that Neil was going to cream, and I thought he was too. And Jank yeah. came out of left field, which is <laughs> what Scott came Adams out of did left in the first deal, one. Uh, left field, fucking a dog. <laughs> oh, dude, the bestiality <laughs> shit is just so over the top. It was when he. Uh, it was when he just like doubled down. I think it's it's the double down that that really is the douchey thing. That's mm-hmm. like the douche jackpot. When you say something really stupid like that, and you like basically are like, "Oh, I'm for bestiality," and everybody in the room goes, "What?" and he goes, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> <laughs> what? And you know what? You guys are the assholes. It's so funny. It's, There's no it's such hilarious. thing as Satan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So yeah, yes. that was so much fun. We got to do that. We're going to do that again. Uh, sure. If you would like to listen to that, I'll have it linked in the show notes after we post. Absinthesixpack.com, shitmyass.com, one forty-one battle of the douchebags.com, podtard.com. <laughs> Greatest domains and all of internet dumb history. Cersei <laughs> <laughs> Sirs is a he's a great he's a great fella. Mm. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad he's around. I've said this before. 
That man, uh, that man smells funky as hell. That smells funky as hell, Mister Boo Boo. It's funky as hell, Mister Boo Boo. Uh, uh, actually, last... we will. We do have a scheduled another one scheduled. I think April twenty fourth. Yes, is, is for sure. I, I'm going to promote it right now since we're talking about it. April twenty fourth will be the part three battle of the douchebags, and our guest will be none other than the Carblains thirty three. Oh, give it to me! Hell yeah! That's right. Carblains is going to be joining us on uh, on Battle of the Douchebags. We'll see what she brings. Let's see what she has to has to think. Who she thinks is a big douchebag? Yes, part three. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Play, goddamn you! <laughs> part Blains thirty three. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. It's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. The and last, we have a fourth one planned too. Sorry, <laughs> the last production that that I got this coming Monday. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there will be some sort of live broadcast, but it will not be a show proper because Sunday, March 27th, after No Agenda, we will be live on the No Agenda stream. That's right. That'll be just this coming Sunday. Yep. Because uh, I think if we ended up doing two episodes back-to-back, it would throw us off track for some uh, goals that we're trying to hit uh, for episodes coming coming up in the next couple of months. So sorry, did you just say that we're not going to have a Monday show? I'm saying that we will still be having a live stream. Oh, but we won't be recording it and, and having it be an official show. Gotcha. Correct, because I'm not about to do... Uh, two <laughs> two batches of shows <laughs> back to back. It's too much. Mm, I guess. Yeah, we've never actually had to do two BTSs back to back. No, because when a uh, Cratchit was on. Oh, except for the Cratchit time. That was a Tuesday. That's right. That's right. So th- we did it the one time. That's right. Yeah. But more often we do something like this douchebag thing, or we guest, and then we have the show. That's usually. A- yeah. Whenever we have like a double header type of situation. Yep. But but two, uh, that makes like sense. Two specifically BTS back to back. It's a lot of shit to get prepped for. Mm-hmm. Um and that way we're still on track for a hundredth episode. Uh so yes, uh about I don't know, two thirty central ish on uh no agenda no com. You can head over there, check us check us out. We'll still be broadcasting on the Scaly Show stream which is what you're listening to now. If you want to get in with us uh, week after week, we do this show live at bad, bad radio dot live uh, every Monday night, starting at mm-hmm. uh, 7.30, 9.30, 30 Eastern respectively. And if you're in the mountains, eight 30. Yes. Yeah, so we don't want to forget our mountain folk. Well, we do often. And I just like to, you know, we'll bring them in every now and again, but we will forget you. We were, we will go back <laughs> to forgetting you, but we, we want to give you one. Because you deserve it. No doubt. Well, uh, thank you again, everybody, for coming out and uh, helping us uh, make this magic. God, I need to get into the government so I can start making the money. That's where you make the money. Oh, money, money, money. Oh, God bless all this money. Amen. A woman. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A woman. Uh, We don't have any screamers. 
sitting here. So I think uh, I think the floor is yours. But at some point, if you want to get in at the end of the show, 612-263-7999. Let's get a That's couple right. more in there. Yeah, if you if you're very interested, we will have the phone lines uh going for for screen mails at 612-263-7999. And we'll get it going. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh other than that, yeah. I was all over the place today. Um I I had some photos that I that I've put in the notes that are kind of interesting, just different little photos here. But I was so wrapped up in what I did last week, which was this foray into the cabinet, into the Biden administration cabinet. Mm-hmm. And I was so fascinated in, in all these different people and all these different positions, if you will. Um, and, and this institution, if we want to talk about government stuff in general, then this is the sort of thing that kind of interests me is like the people that work around the president that we don't really get to hear about, especially if they aren't social or if they're private people, if they don't like to be in front of cameras all the time, like some of these guys do like uh, Tony Blinken, a Blinken, you know, this guy, he likes to be in front of the camera. He likes to be the guy, but there's other people like the secretary of defense. who I talked about last week, Lloyd Austin, who you don't see a lot of. And even given the certain situation with Ukraine, where in this circumstance, as Americans, we might be interested to know what the secretary of defense has to say about the situation. You won't see him uh, unless you are looking for him. But you know, these people aren't really well known. And um, I sort of got into it, and I, I was almost toying with the idea of, like, having an ongoing segment where, like, I I do, like, a, a meet-a-cabinet member thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I just, one by one, like, go through them all. Um, not, not all at once, of course, but just, like, every now and again, I'll just drop in, like, a, a meet-a-cabinet member segment. And... Because it takes, because I was trying to do it, it just is so heavy. Because you get into their careers, but on top of their careers, you get into their upbringing, you get into their education, and then it becomes a data pool where you're trying to correlate who went to school with who, and and you know what are the most attended universities, what are the most uh, worked with companies, what are the major law firms, and so and so on, and it just becomes this gigantic. Um, this chicken, you know, it's this big ribbon of, of data that you're trying to deal with. Hey, man, and, behind the schemes means behind the yearbooks. <laughs> hey, this is what it means. You go deep. You know, this is it. <laughs> and the truth is, is education has a lot to do with it. If you if you know anything about it, the Rockefellers and the Koch brothers and Bill Gates and everybody. I mean, if you. If you really want to influence public opinion, if you really, really, really want to change the world and you want to pay for it, what you do is you go to the highest institutions in the land and you create the most prestigious scholarships and you control the arena in which the the high education operates. And that's the Rockefellers basically pioneered that. And that's what people have done ever since. And that's what special interests do. 
at a certain level as they vie for attention at that very basic educational level. Just like, you know, we compared it to when we talk about uh, the seed, you know, and food. You know, people don't even think about the seed. People don't even think about the education of the people that are brought up. So that's a huge thing. And the truth is, is that when people talk about diversity, when people talk about, oh, Biden says, you know, I got this cabinet and we've got the all these all these different races and all these different nationalities and, and we've got a lot of women and we've got this and da-da-da-da-da. And there's an element of diversity, and that's one of the main selling points of the cabinet. But when you look at the education, when you look at what these people, where these people grew up and what their what their backgrounds are in that sense, you find that they all, a lot of them, came from the same neighborhoods, and they all went to the same schools. They all went to Georgetown. They all went to Harvard. They all went to whatever. You know, they all went to the prestigious Ivy League schools. And it doesn't matter who, you know, what they look like or whatever. They all came from the same stock, and they all went through the same um, uh, prerequisites and the same gauntlet. They all ran the same gauntlet to be where they are, which is the highest office in the land of whatever it is that they have decided to to, to put their career and, and faith in, you know? This may and, look like a Sega Genesis and a Super Nintendo and a regular Nintendo and a Sega Master System, but I assure you, they're all playing Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> How about all the chips are made by Intel? Oh, yes! There you go. How about that? Because we don't support IBM on this show. Nah. And Ryzen, you know, the AMD gets a bad rap. They're not they're not at that commercial level. But I shouldn't you say that, talk, I'm sure. You, <laughs> Everything here in front of me is Intel or something. Yeah. <laughs> or IBM, I mean. <laughs> I mean that's Sorry. that's the idea, right? Like you can be a Nintendo guy or a PlayStation guy or whatever, but it's all Intel. And it's all it's all certain Companies that that control the the very basic foundation of what the entire industry is, and um, if you don't have the the blessing of these people, then you aren't any. You don't get to be that right. that big big person in yep. the field. So anyway, that's why I really got wrapped. You know, what I mean, I just get I got wrapped in this in this cabinet thing. But then I thought to myself, God, I want to do this segment for sure. But I didn't really prepare anything for tonight because I just, I, like I said, I got caught up too much in the big picture shit and I didn't focus on anything. And uh seemed to be quite a theme for me today. I was looking at this Hunter Biden stuff and the Hunter Biden stuff is interesting. They've, they've essentially, the mainstream media has uh, finally admitted that the Hunter Biden laptop is legitimate. The laptop itself, what's your, what is your take on the laptop, Blueberry? Unleash the wrath of hell. The laptop yeah. of hell? Ah, it seems pretty spicy. Man, I don't know what it is about the uh, the Biden kids leaving all of their shit laying around, like laptops or journals. Um, I, I think he blacked out and left it somewhere. Yeah. Or something like that. Or he took it in for repair and somebody, you know, whatever, he's an idiot. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. Not to... Uh... Well, and, and then of course there's the um, oh god, I can't remember his name, but uh, Joe's daughter. She's got her infamous diary that was left behind in the house, and uh, based off of a conversation I had earlier this uh, this evening, actually, um, I guess it's uh, I was talking to the keeper about it. She said that uh, 
Project Veritas had actually got in possession of the diary because it was getting passed around by a uh, at a or excuse me getting getting passed around at a Trump rally of some capacity. So this seems kind of spooky, don't you think? It's a little weird. It's yeah. uh, yeah, I'm like, why? Why? You know, this if if this is what it is alleged to be, why would you just be passing it out? Like, I, I would imagine that would be something you would keep under lock and key. This is the quote unquote smoking gun. Oh my God, Joe Biden likes to take showers with his daughter, who's probably a little too old for that. Uh, so on and so forth. Um, yeah. It all very depends on the, at the at the end of the day, when it comes to this sort of thing, when it comes to the laptop, the most simple thing to latch on to are the photos. Yes. And I just, to, to clarify, the conversation that the keeper and I came around to is, fuck them. <laughs> like, oh, of course. You know, it's just, you get the special treatment because your dad has been... In the government since the fucking 70s. And you get to do all this big baller rolling in the energy companies in Ukraine. uh, Traveling around, setting up scheme after scheme. And just bloated the entire time. And and, uh, probably probably hooking up with people that uh, are underage. And taking photographic evidence and videos. And and just leaving it all on your fucking computer. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jackass. <laughs> it just seems like the most caricatured version of like political corruption that they have. He's he is he is the Don Jr. that everybody wanted. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean it it really impresses me how after six years of nonstop criticizing Trump and putting the finger up his ass every step of the way, they found somebody who has a family that has all of the negative elements that they saw in Trump has all of them in spades is, is a criminally corrupt has has been behind some of the worst legislation ever enacted a criminal uh, court uh, family that I don't know, like you said, they've been in power way too long and uh, it just, it, I don't know. I, I got I got to mellow out here. It just bugs me that it, for years they criticize this guy, and then they they put in somebody who's even worse somehow, it, and then they and then they <laughs> act like he's a saint. It just seems like a giant troll. It's really sad, man. Well, if you want something to cheer you up, I can I can hit you with it. If you want, you tell me. I don't want to force anything on you. Oh uh, no no no, we'll we'll get to it. But uh, I just I I are you trying to lean into the. Uh, some clip that I have here? Is that what you're saying? No. Welcome to your doom. Ooh. Nice. That did cheer me up. That cheered <laughs> me up a lot. Nice. Um. <laughs> Good. I'm all glad. right. All right. I'm back. I'm back, everybody. Here, let's open a, a second second half of show beer. Now nice, we're, nice, now we're nice feeling crack. better. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I... Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to, because I've got two angles that I'm approaching this, this Biden thing. One is, is you have the liberal, um, ignoring it. The, the, I'm sorry, the mainstream media ignoring entirely the most juicy, the most spicy elements 
of the laptop and only focusing on this sort of financial scandals, this tax evasion situation, I think. Um, and then there's the, I don't know, we'll play, let's just, let's start off, Tim, why not? Why don't you play Laptop One? According to the New York Times, Hunter Biden paid off a significant tax liability. The payment was made following his public announcement about a federal investigation after the 2020 election. The investigation into the president's son is ongoing, but there are currently no charges against the younger Mr. Biden. CBS News senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge is with me now. Catherine, great to see you. According to today's New York Times, Hunter Biden, quote, paid off a significant tax liability. What do we know independently about this? Well, Ed, our investigative team reached out to the U.S. attorney in Delaware, the IRS, the FBI, as well as two attorneys, we believe, either represented Hunter Biden in the past or currently represent Hunter Biden, and they did not get back to us. But what we know from our own reporting is our understanding is that this grand jury and the investigation continues to move forward. And a legal contact who is familiar with the matter told us that if Hunter Biden paid off these back taxes, this could limit his exposure in the future. But he emphasized it would not close the door on potential tax fraud charges. That's an interesting point, that in essence, if charges were to come, his lawyers would be able to say, well, okay, but he paid them off. So if anything, the, the charges against him or the ultimate sentence might be, be might be less. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. So this started as an inquiry mm-hmm. and is now an investigation. And in the legal world, there is a big difference between those two. Remind us what it might be. Well, that's right, Ed. It started um, as a tax inquiry um, under the Obama administration, ooh, and then it broadened into an investigation that went beyond these tax-related issues. And if you recall, really since 2016, we've heard terms like reviews and inquiries and investigative matters. But the bottom line is that you've got federal authorities, in this case, looking at your bank records and your tax records. And it was only in late 2020 that Hunter Biden said he came to be aware of this investigation through his lawyer. And at that time, he put out a statement that reads, I take this matter very seriously, but I am confident that a professional and objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handled my affairs legally and appropriately, including with the benefit of professional tax advisors. So that's his sort of current position and has been throughout ed can i you know what hunter biden should have said right there Hmm. i take this very seriously Uh, (laughs) i mean he he has passed the bar you know he is a lawyer so uh, he can represent himself in this sort of situation he can give some statements but that'd be funny that'd be hilarious i and i will tie that in a little later i just the as I've said before, the laptop, they're they're going at the the tax thing, and, and I'm sure. I mean, that is a that is something that classically gets the criminal in the end is the IRS. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, <laughs> pay, and payoff does sound a whole hell of a lot like a bribe. Uh, yeah. I just want to I because I, I heard them say payoff uh, quite a lot in that clip. Uh, but the, yeah, I mean, look at Capone. Uh, Capone, he got fucked over. He got fucked over because, well, Capone was a massive idiot. I mean, Biden would have to, Hunter Biden would have to be a massive idiot to, to get really wrapped up in this. And I don't think he is. I think he's, he's, he's an attorney. And even though he's a fucking degenerate, he's not a complete moron. So, 
I want to give him the benefit of that doubt at least. But uh, the money thing is very important. But there is this other element. There's the photo element that these guys don't acknowledge. Mm, mm-hmm. They don't even talk about it. Because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And, I mean, sure, the vast majority of the photos are Hunter Biden, you know, smoking crack, bang, most, of any, most of the pictures of him, all the pictures I've seen of him in a sexual act seem to be with adult women. And and he's just you know doing drugs and he's banging whores. That's his. That's what he's doing. He's taking pictures of himself doing it. Is that the end of the? I mean, like it's not. It's not the point that what he does isn't. It's not incredibly criminal. I mean, the sense that there is one picture that I found of him with a kid, and I I don't know. I got the sense that he's a fucking weirdo. But at the same time, I'm trying to be objective about what I've actually seen. And I've seen probably 200 photos <laughs> like <laughs> in the last like year. I've seen so many fucking photos of this laptop. And I'm pretty sure that some of them are fake, but most of them are real because they've got the video, the other shit. You got the famous one of him falling asleep with the crack pipe in his mouth. And you got, there's probably probably a dozen right now that are like household memes of him naked running around smoking cigarette, whatever. He's a weirdo, sure. But he's got this one picture with a kid. Got one picture with a kid. Lies. Oh, lies! I've posted it in the actual show notes, people. Oh, fuck. It's in the show notes. If you go, let's see where I can find it. Uh, Hunter Biden laptop. Is that the picture? Yeah. If you go to the notes, you click on Hunter Biden laptop, Los Angeles, California, taken July 13th, 2018. Seems to be hanging out with this little kid. Anyway, this is weird shit. And I hate to talk about this stuff because it's fucking weird. And I don't want to just be like some psycho that's calling people names or accusing people of things for no reason. I really do want to be objective about this. It's not my intention to be facetious. Um, I'm on reserve for that. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I am. I don't know. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be objective here. I suppose it's, it's a stretch. It is a stretch. It's tough, but this guy just gives off such vibe from all these photos, all the shit that you see, and this picture with this kid, and then there's another picture of Paul Pelosi Jr., uh, Nancy Pelosi's son. Uh, with some little girl who's tied up or whatever, and I found a source for that. That doesn't seem to be from the Hunter Biden laptop. That seems to be from some other thing where he it was sued by a Taiwan-born woman living in San Francisco who he had a relationship with who alleges that he was abusive to her, that he forced her to have an abortion, threatened her life, um, and did all sorts of shady shit like conducted foreign business claiming to be representative of his mom. Mm. And there's all that, and that's in there. So that's the source of that photo. So that's not from the the Biden laptop, but it's still fucking creepy. And he's they're all creepy. They're all creeps. And there's the text messages, the alleged text messages that were never confirmed with who they were, but it was uh, implied at least that uh, oh god, his niece, his niece uh, God, what the fuck is the name of his brother? I think 
Uh, his brother's name, well, the one that passed away? Yep. Bo. Bo. And I think the niece's name is like Natalie or something. Yes. And yeah, so there's that rumor as well that, and there's some, uh, yeah, there's, there's some people that have done like some autistic, like (laughs) circling of tattoos on ankles and things like that and correlating to Instagram pages and trying to confirm that that's who is with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it gets really fucking weird. And there's a lot of uh, resources you can find in some dark corners of the web that can show you all kinds of that stuff. But the truth is, is that this thing is a real smoking gun. That's the bottom line. Um, or in this situation, and I referred to Epstein as well, it's not so much a smoking gun. It's actually a frozen gun because they took the smoking gun, this thing that should have been this massive story and they've cryogenically frozen it. (laughs) They flash freeze, froze it with liquid nitrogen. They dipped it and, uh, and they, and they, and they fucking stopped it cold Nipped it in the bud. Uh, everybody's on on top. The, there was a New York Times op-ed released today uh, called It's Never a Good Time for the Hunter Biden Story. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. I haven't seen y'all in a couple months. Sitting here at the table having dinner. So that Hunter Biden laptop. Let me show you a couple of pictures that I found. Independent research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's never a good time. Never a good time. You should know about this thing, this kind of thing. Sunday, uh, Sunday service at the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gra- it's true. Graduation speeches. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. I want to thank my mom. By the way, if you haven't looked into that Hunter Biden thing, check that out. Thank you very much, Professor. <laughs> All right. Okie dokie. No. They're right. Uh, who are these? Gail Collins and Brett Stevens. Gail Collins, who uh, was an editor of the New York Times, and Brett Stevens, the former editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Times, have a conversation, uh, and this is the op-ed. And this is how it starts. I'm going to just read the first thing they say to each other. Gail says to Brett, she says, Brett, here's one question I don't think I've ever asked you before. What do you think of daylight saving time? And mind you, she said saving, not savings. That's how you know she's educated. Brett Stevens replies, About the same way I feel about Zelensky, the light of the West. Oh, my. It's the first thing they say right out the door. This is already steamy. So they talk, and they go on, and they talk about Afghanistan, and they talk about uh, liberal policies and Putin. They talk about Russia, and they talk about... Uh, domestic issues. They talk about Wyoming republics. They talk about Vermont republics and Texas republics. And then they, uh, Republicans, 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 excuse me, forgive my, my uh, slurring of the words here. Uh, and then they go, Oh, you know what? What's that? Did you read that time article thing about the Hunter Biden thing? Did you read the times account of the, Oh yeah, the news is that Hunter himself had to do with these. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, and Gail says, "I'm so glad our colleagues are still doing strong reporting on this story." Wow, you know, Hunter Biden's scummy business dealings shouldn't be swept under the rug any more than anyone else's. 
She says, you know, I, I admit I've never found Hunter, but Hunter's behavior criminal, just very, very depressing. I literally cannot handle the amount of bravery right now. <laughs> so much bravery. So much bravery going on. She says, fragile son in a family buffeted by tragedy grows up to have a drug problem. He makes a lot of money working for companies that presumably like to have a famous American politician's relative to trot around. And Brett says, you know what? The DOJ's investigation will tell. We don't know. Whatever. We'll find out. Not our problem. (laughs) By the way, did you hear? So fun. So this is how how the industry is this fun. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll find out. DOJ will take care of it. Thanks. Thanks, bros. Um. (laughs) It reminded me of something, man. I I thought of Hunter, and I thought of the situation, and it reminded me of something, and I couldn't quite, couldn't quite put my finger on it until I saw something. We were talking about. I was working on Painter's story, and I realized it was a graphic novel that I was thinking of here. Mm. Uh, a classic graphic novel. Maybe you've read it or seen the movie Sin City. Oh, yes. That's a pretty cool film. I like the graphic novel. Graphic novel, the film. I think a lot of people are very familiar with the film. film was made in, I think, 2006. It had a an ensemble star cast. Yeah, directed by Zack Snyder, same director of Watchmen, the phenomenal Dawn of the Dead remake, and, of course, uh, Superman v. Batman, or whatever the fuck that was called. Yeah, he was DC's guy for the Superman thing. Uh, yeah, he's had a really, uh, really stellar career. Uh, but uh, he he did this film, uh, Sin City, which was a uh, who's the guy? What's the guy's name? Miller, Frank Miller, Frank Miller, uh, Frank Miller, who is a great graphic novelist. I think he did a lot of great work for Batman, and he's very well known for the work he did with Batman. But um, this was an original that he did, uh, Sin City, and one of the storylines involves a cop uh, who in the movie is played by Bruce Willis, Mm -hmm. the great Bruce Willis. And uh, in the, in the, in the story, the cop has been on the beat for 30 years and uh, he has a heart condition and he's forced to retire because, um, because of his heart condition. And on the last day of his job, he decides that he is going to do something which he should have done a long time ago, which is take out a punk son of a politician who has been going around raping little girls. <laughs> and uh, and he, he decides that this is the one loose end that he is going to tie before he retires. If you could please play Sin City 1. I can. I think it's this one. Now, we know there's a grand jury looking. Oh, not that one. No. Yeah. List got all fucked up again. Uh-oh. Oh, it's okay. I got it. I just got to look at the folder. Uh, so it's the third one in. This one? No. I think so. Sorry. This one. Just one hour to go. My last day on the job. Early retirement. Not my idea. Doctor's orders. Heart condition. Angina, he calls it. I'm polishing my badge and getting myself used to the idea of saying goodbye to it. It and the 30 odd years of protecting and serving and tears and blood and terror. 
triumph that represents I'm thinking about Eileen's slow smile about the thick fat steak she picked up at the butcher's today and I'm thinking about the one loose end I haven't tied up a young girl who's out there somewhere helpless in the hands of a drooling lunatic damn it Hardigan I won't let you do this you're gonna get yourself killed you're gonna get us both killed I won't let you, I'm warning you. I'm gonna wake up, Bob. You're dragging me down with you. I'm your partner. They can kill me, too. I ain't putting up with that. I'm getting on the horn and calling for backup. Sure, Bob. We'll just wait. Sit on our hands while that Rourke brat gets his sick throws with victim number four. Victim number four. Nancy Callahan, age 11. And she'll be raped and slashed to ribbons. And that backup that we're waiting on will just so happen to show up just late enough for Rourke to get back to his U.S. Senator daddy. <laughs> a creep being played by the uh, none other than Elijah Wood. <laughs> oh, no, Elijah Wood doesn't play this guy. Elijah Wood plays uh, his uh, lackey who uh, does all of the who does all of the heavy work. He's like the sneaky guy. He, he's, he sneaks up on Mickey Rourke. God, I love that movie. It's such a fucking great movie. Um, no, the son, I forget who the son's played. He's not played by anyone famous, but, and we'll hear a clip from him soon, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, he's going after the Senator. So yeah, we'll just play the next clip. Uh, Sin Sin City 2. Roar. Give it up. Let the girl go. You can't do a goddamn thing to me, Hardigan. You know who I am. You know who my father is. You can't touch me, you piece of shit cop. Look at you. You can't even lift that cannon you carry. Sure I can. Cover your eyes, Nancy. I don't want you watching this. I mean it, baby. Cover your eyes right now. I take his weapons away. Shoots on his arm. Both of them. Shoots him in the dick. And then his partner shoots him in the back. Mm. Hell of a way to end a partnership. For God's sakes, don't make it any worse. Don't make me kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this, this, <laughs> so he confronts this guy as the senator's son. He says, "You know who my dad is. You can't fuck with me." And and the guy's like, "Nah, whatever." And he shoots him and shoots him in the dick. And then his partner comes and shoots him in the back because it's all corrupt. Because this partner was in on it, and he's protecting this guy, and this guy's defended. At all times of day by, like, Secret Service and U.S. military personnel. And, uh, but he does. He goes on his last day. He goes and he shoots this guy up. And, but he survives. And, uh, and, and the, and the, the, his partner shoots Bruce Willis in the back. And, and Bruce Willis wakes up in the hospital. <laughs> and, and he, and he wakes up and he's all, he's all got wires and shit all over him. He's breathing into tubes. He's on the he's on the verge of death. They're they're keeping him alive, and he sees the senator, 
in his hospital room. You place Sin City 3. Evening, officer. I don't have to introduce myself, do I? You read the papers? It's been an election year. You've seen plenty of my picture. You know who I am and what I can do. I'm doing you, Hardigan. Cold and hard, I'm doing you. You blew my son's ear off. Blew his arm off, even blew his nuts and his pecker off. He's in a coma right now. They say he may never come out of it. My boy, he could have been the first rock to become the president of the United States, but you went and turned him into a brain-damaged, dickless freak. Pulling that trigger make you feel powerful. Power don't come from a badge or a gun. Power comes from lying. Lying big and getting the whole damn world to play along with you. Once you got everybody agreeing with what they know in their hearts ain't true, you got them by the balls. There's what, maybe 500 people in this hospital. I could pump you full of bullets right now and I wouldn't even be arrested. Everyone would lie for me. Everyone who counts. Otherwise, all their own lies, everything that runs in the city, it all comes tumbling down like a pack of cards. <laughs> but I want you firm and fit and healthy. I'm even putting up cash of my own to get you more surgery. Fix that heart condition of yours. You're going to keep on living a long time. I'm going to make sure of that. You're gonna be convicted of raping that little brat and shooting my boy. And you're gonna spend the rest of your life in prison, disgraced, destroyed, alone. Your wife, you tell her the truth and she's dead. You tell anybody the truth and they're dead. Damn. <laughs> That's uh, that's Powers Booth, by the way. That's one of the great, great actors. He passed away pretty recently. But, uh, great actor. Uh, let me just <clears throat> confirm that that was his name. Powers Booth, man. He was uh, in all kinds of movies. Uh, you're right. I did fuck up. It was uh, Nick Stahl that played Yellow Bastard, the son of the senator. And Elijah Wood was uh, the serial killer. Yes. Yep. The one with the he- heads on the wall. Nick Stahl has been in stuff before, <laughs> though. What is he in that's famous? He was in Sin City. He was in Carnival. That was a big show. Oh, he was in Terminator. He was a big star in Terminator. He was, I think he played John Connor in Terminator 3. Mm, yeah, that would make sense. Uh, oh, okay. Now I'm getting it. Now it's all making sense. Okay. And real quick, the <clears throat> uh, the boost that we last received, that was from Cotton Gin using Curiocaster. With 1776, <clears throat> motherfuckers. He didn't say 1776. Yeah, but he did send a clown emoji. Through lightning? Yes, through the helipad. Ooh, through the helipad? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've transmitted bit emoji. It's a, it's a little clown guy staring at me. Oh, little clown. It's a clown world. So that's what, why. I guess, uh, what was it that, uh, made you start thinking about Sin City, a movie that came out in 2005? Uh, 
I don't know, I was just perusing around and I thought of this character. This character of this senator's son who goes around. He's a sexual predator. He gets away with whatever the fuck he wants. And uh, with no repercussions. And and has the protection of, of all the stuff. And then the the senator comes in and tells that great monologue about how everything's built on lies. Yep. And I thought that that was very prevalent to exactly what's going on in this position. It's not as dramatic and I don't have as much evidence that he is doing what he's doing, but there's a shitload of pictures. Of this. <laughs> so it just, given the situation, given the, how much scrutiny the Trump family got in the presidency and not just Trump, but his whole family, his sons, his daughters, his wife. I mean, the whole lot of them got ripped apart for six years for every little fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a Trump. I'm not a big Trump guy. I'm really not. I'm not. I, I didn't like Trump leading up to the presidency. I've never voted for him. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm not a Trump guy. But given the amount of scrutiny that this fucking guy got, um, and then this fucking dude comes along and is the exact thing. And they just, they do everything they can to cover it up. And they double down on it. And they double down on it. It's not fair. I want a sequel. I want to see it all dragged out in the mud. Let's make it messy. I (laughs) I want to get I don't think it's over. I don't think it's (laughs) over. I think this is a, this is just another thing. This will be another step in the, in, in whatever. But to me, this is like the biggest thing since Epstein. To me, this is, um, just very, just very easy to to be pissed about. It's very easy to to see the fallacy in the whole thing, to see the the hypocrisy. If you even if you don't have an affiliation, which I don't, I really don't. I really have no allegiances to anything except behind the schemes and to no agenda and to like my family and friends and to a couple other things. And then those are my allegiances and I don't like politicians and I don't like political parties and I don't like ideologies. And I don't like large groups in general. I think that life is intended to be lived small and real and, and, you know, at a regular pace. That's what I believe personally. It's, it doesn't always pan out that way, you know, but that's what you, that's what you aim for. And that's what seems to give you the most, um, fulfillment or whatever you want to call it. But <clears throat> these people. These, the, these motherfuckers. The transparency is the worst thing. Just the fact that there's so many cameras now yes. is is such a big deal and that, that everything can be communicated instantaneously, the blink of an eye. It, we really do live in a very special time that I think that people take for granted, but like I said, this whole fucking day, dude, I, I don't know what I had. It was like a weird existential thing where I re-reminded myself of just how um, how fake everything is, which I do a lot of the time when I'm in California. Like I went, like, for example, I went to the doctor today. I didn't bring a mask. Nice. Because I, because fuck oh, wow. them. <laughs> fuck them, dude. Like they dropped it. They dropped the mask mandate. Like, it's done. It's time. It's over. And um, I walked into the hospital, and I didn't have a mask on, and I wasn't eyeing anybody. I was just going to my thing. I just don't give a fuck. I just, I, it wasn't a matter of, like, me trying to make a point. 
It was a matter of I was on a different frequency and I just couldn't fucking do it. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't fucking do it today. I walked into the hospital, no mask, fuck you guys. Someone handed me a mask, I put it on, whatever. Fucking leave me alone. I'm not going to bring my own. I'm not going to think about it until I get here. I'm going to walk in the building, and if you want to give me one and tell me I'm going to wear it, fuck it. Fine. But I'm not going to bring my own. I'm not. Fuck you. Give me one. That This is my mentality at this point. At least today I was. And I got so into my own head, and I was just like, man, people think that the history of humanity is only 12,000 years old, but they acknowledge that we as a species have been around for 200,000 years, and we're constantly surrounded by these ancient monuments and these things, things that have been around for so fucking long that they're underwater now. And things like the Anchor Wat, which are fucking being, every year they discover through satellite imagery and other technologies that Anchor Wat is just a central unit to a giant sprawling metropolis that once existed that was immaculately designed, an architectural masterpiece that we could never recreate. They had mastery of the land. They could create all of these symmetrical waterways and this beautiful, I mean, just fucking shit that, like, is so unbelievable. The pyramids, which we take for granted, (laughs) but, but the pyramids, you know, are just so unbelievable. Nobody can explain how the fuck they were made. Shit like this, the Mesoamerica, all the pyramids in Mesoamerica, and I, I don't know what happened, man. I just, I had a weird phase where I was just like, I just was, I realized that we live in a post-apocalyptic world. We live. <laughs> this is not my beautiful zombie apocalypse. Tony, this is, we live in the remnants of a golden age that happened a long time ago. And we are all just the cockroaches crawling along in the wake of it. This is this is the mentality I had today. Very <laughs> I walked into the yeah, I know. <laughs> it was a little it was it was weird. I don't know what got me in this mood. I don't understand, but I just I got so fucking fed up of all this California nonsense and I just I don't know, maybe I snapped. I don't know, but I really just <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't focus on anything today. But, but there was a lot that I was trying to focus on. That's that's what I have to say. I have one thing on Anchor What that I ah never mind. Fuck it. We we spent too much time as it is. We should probably wrap this up. But uh, yeah, well, that's what I, I was just picking around in a video. Uh, seems pretty cool that you got listed down in the in the show notes. Very neat. <laughs> What's that? Uh, I'm just uh, just picking through this video that's uh, that you had linked in the uh, notes for Anchor What. I was checking. Oh it out. yeah. And I had a I had a clip, but I actually never sent it to you. So yeah, I gotcha. No worries. But yeah. uh, Fletcher says that you can milk cockroaches. Can you milk me? <laughs> well, can you? <laughs> oh man! You know we talked about buttholes for like three hours straight the other night. Yes, I do. I do remember. Two hours straight. <laughs> actually, literally two hours straight. Don't stop my butthole. Hang on to my butthole. Oh, man. I, I can't get I can't get caught in the loop again. Instead, no, no, no. We can't get caught in the loop. We can't get caught in the loop. Instead, um, we'll uh, do a voicemail or four. Yeah, do we have voicemails? Oh, yeah. 
Hit me with a voicemail. Yeah, I heard that uh, you didn't have any females in your butthole. Whoa! So, uh... Buttholes? I'm calling with my butt to put a, a female inside your butt hole. You can hear it thundering deep inside of my butt hole. started something here and according to servo march 20th is officially henceforth known as butthole day uh caller i want to give you one of these for your butthole fire 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 (laughs) (laughs) the 15th of march are the ides of march the 20th march is the butthole of march i like it uh there you go this next one Ooh, i'm i'm intrigued oh another caller yeah Ooh, another color. Oh shit! I was, I was wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got Good it. Scream! I, I'm glad you got it worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's what the scream line is all about. You got to scream it out. <laughs> Just got to get it you, all color. out of there, baby. Yeah, uh, baby. Looks like they Thank had you. a follow up too. Uh, well, I see there's text in the transcription, but as it stands Wait for now, it. There was something. <gasps> Caller? Aha! Be careful what you say. Be real careful what you say. Are they talking in invisible ink? I don't know. I don't see anything like being all shimmery and shit on the screen. And there's no uh, lemon juice. It's still going. It's still going. Like I said. Yeah, but this ghost guy is taking too much of our time. Oh.
you got to be convicted. Make the map to the back. And she's not going to All right. I don't know where you're going with it. Hmm. <laughs> Should we end this trilogy of calls? I'm intrigued. There's a laugh in there that I really like. I might go back for that. That was good. Is there a is there a follow up to this one? There's a third and final one. Uh, Can I get a, another beer? Uh, yes. And while you do that, uh, we had a text come in from a producer that said Beavis and Butthead, of course. So when Lavish gets back, we'll check out this last screen mail. It's uh, it's quite unusual. I have. I was chilled. I was chilled. I was trying to figure out what was going on. It's all very strange and confusing. Very, very strange and confusing. What a long, strange trip it's been. What a long, strange trip it's been. You ready for this last one? Yes. I'm ready for the end of the trilogy. So, yeah. Betsy Ross used to sit and sew. something right there at the end couldn't quite make it out but we appreciate the calls caller the okay well thank you caller appreciate the call caller yeah so it's terrifying thank you <laughs> so 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 buttons on your underwear <laughs> got him got it got he got he got he hell yeah well, yeah uh I think um, that just about wraps up everything that I covered tonight. I think I'm going to, in the future, going to do this fucking cabinet thing. Um, other than that. Sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, uh, These callers, man. Thanks for calling in, callers. we got a, a great slew of calls coming in for that second, second half of show. And if you want to come hang out with us next time, we do this show, like I stated earlier, every Monday night live. 730, 830, 930, 1030, Eastern. 7, 8, 9, 10, 30. <laughs> <laughs> Take up the whole block. Uh, head over to live. Hang out in our green room. The green room. We didn't bring up the green room. Hashtag green room on the zero node. It's That's a great right. Place. You can go us on irc.zeronode.net. And if you don't know how to get into an IRC chat room, then you can always go to our website behind the schemes. Schemes has three for ease.com and you can go and click on the Kiwi link. Uh, you can find the chat 
sort of tab that we have there. Click on the Kiwi link, and you'll be able to get into the chat room easy peasy. You don't even have to register or make a password or anything like that. Just get right in. Get right in. Easy. Easy. It couldn't get any easier. Like to introduce the band real quick. <laughs> uh, on lead vocals, guitar, and uh, drums, and bass, and keys, us, Booberry and Lavish. And on the mouth harp, guest spot, Servo. <laughs> servo! On the tambourine, we have... Actually, on the guitar, on the lead guitar, we have Fletcher. It's one of those, like, slide guitars with the glass tube, you know? Like the sit-down lap ones. He's crushing slide. On the drums, we have Carolyn Blaney. Ah, look at Cotton Gin tearing it up on the timpani! (laughs) That's right, that's right. We got Spaz, of course, jamming in the back rhythm. Bully Steed on Synthesizer. Yeah, Bully Steed on Synthesizer. Yeah. Of course, Dark Lord RK on the backbone of the entire beat. The cowbell. Ripping it up on the cowbell, that's right. Hell yeah. Quite a large band. Ducky. Ducky on the bongos. <laughs> Look at the size of those bongos. Damn, Ducky, where'd you get the Damn, bongos, dog? Ducky. <laughs> Did you have those shipped in, man? Damn. a boy. Hey, man. Th- thanks to everybody on the No Agenda stream for listening. We are live every single Monday night. That's every single Monday night. Rain, shine, snow, sleet, whatever. At 7.30 p.m., uh, Pacific, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern. My name is Lavish. This is Boo Berry, Mothman of the Miniaglops. Sir Boo Berry. That's me. Knight of the Moth. And scheming away my spring. I've been Boo Berry. And I've been Lavish. Find the schemes, baby. Ha, ha, ha.